We're back doing an open. Andrew Yang is on the podcast. Andrew today. Yang. Come on. I am. The fact that we're getting like very fancy politicians on the show. The fact that we made it. The fact that a politician would talk to anyone <laughs> in this room is truly a shocker. It's a, I mean, I can't even imagine. The interview coming up with Andrew Yang is so informative. Full disclosure, I was very nervous and I act really weird in the interview. I was stuttering. I was constantly fixing my hair. I was super unprofessional and a little hungover. I like that you came up to Andrew Yang like this. And we're like, be on my podcast. And he was like, well, we have to help everyone. <laughs> you know, For him, I, this was a, I, a charity initiative. It was like, you know, the circus is suffering. I got to be honest with you. So before I interviewed Andrew Yang, I couldn't sleep because I was nervous. And remember, I was out of sleeping pills. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I took one of my dog's gabapentins it, which is like a dog sedative or like a pain medication. Are you sure you want to say all this? Yeah, I'm saying it. I'm real. I don't lie to our fans. I tell them what's what. I'm not going to pretend to be perfect, even though I come off that way. I know you think I'm perfect, guys. I know, I know I'm know. i giving away all my secrets right now. <laughs> no, I took, I got so nervous that I wasn't going to fall asleep. So I took a little bit of like old NyQuil from when I was sick in January. You and that NyQuil. I know. I love it. I can't believe that shit's legal. <laughs> and then I went into my dog like medicine cabinet and took a gabapentin and the expiration date was like 2017 so I took like a weird old painkiller and I felt really odd during the interview I bet you did yeah plus, plus being like kind of nervous and kind of stuttery and she said of- is anybody else's spirit left their body <laughs> Am I the only one who can see myself from above? Remember the producers after the interview, I was like, you guys, I think that was a disaster. I think I totally embarrassed myself. Like, I found myself stuttering, but usually when I think I'm moving slow or can't say something properly, I'm actually speaking at, like, a normal speed. Even though in my head it sounds like I'm, like, in slow motion or, like, in quicksand. Yeah. I listen back to it, and I'm like, oh, no. I'm that just, makes perfect sense. Yeah, like, because I'm like, oh, my God, I can't remember this word. You're such an idiot. And then that's how it feels in my head but I'm actually just talking in a lucid way is how it comes off. And the pills probably didn't help any of that. The pr- pills certainly didn't help. I just, you uh, should if just you wait get on anything from this podcast, it's do not take your dog's drugs. To wait on your prescription, <laughs> which is Whitney's biggest fault. She doesn't understand that you can't call a pharmacy, but I need my pills now. They're like, man, we can't just give you more pills. And <laughs> she's like, wait. I don't understand. <laughs> but I'm, but I can't, fall, but I'm tie tie. And they were like, we gave you enough to last this amount of time. I lost them. <laughs> I do sometimes <laughs> drop them. Or I had to take like one and a half half one night because I, yeah. you know what I mean? They're like you can't self-medicate miss like but i'm just like i'm we're in a pandemic can't we be a little flexible <laughs> about these rules like what's it's it? so I'm not funny gonna, i'm not gonna like sue you let's just be cool about it's one this. of my favorite things every time you're like is my prescription ready and i'm like i don't think it's ready yet. and you go fuck <laughs> i can't believe this well, it's just fucking annoy you guys know me google me you know why, why i need this early <laughs> like you, i'm gonna tell them that now. uh can you google her really quick <laughs> it's just like now i can't sleep because my prescription's not ready it's undoing the whole point of this drug yeah and now i'm panicking so i need anxiety medication but that's not ready call up and just be like hey this is on you if you don't give it to me i'm gonna take a nyquil and some of my dog's drugs so your call you just call me like you're gonna stay on the phone with me all night (laughs) so can you lull me to sleep (laughs) if you won't give me my sleeping pills yeah you better learn how to whisper i just like to try to like guilt them and like appeal to their conscience if you don't give this to me i'm gonna take some like old weird rosé they're like and- we're medical professionals <laughs> he's like heard of them remember when um 
we had to get my Prozac prescription and you said they were like on back order. Oh, yeah. I'm very I'm I have a lot of questions about what's I called going on. Th- three different pharmacies and they were like, it's a shortage in L.A. There's right now. And I was like, that's such an L.A. thing to say. <laughs> There's a shortage of Prozac in Los Angeles. Yeah. In the South, they'd be like, we don't even know what that is. <laughs> We're like laying in the yard trying to see, what, what shape is that cloud? There's some moonshine at the yard sale down the street. What's your problem? Yeah. Why do you need Prozac? <laughs> okay, anyway, we want you to get to Andrew Yang as soon as possible because I think the interview is super, uh, besides me being a little, <laughs> little groggy, um, he's super incisive and he seemed completely sober. Um, That's a le- great way to lure <laughs> listeners in. We want you to get past this part as quick as possible. <laughs> Well, no, we just haven't done an open in so long, and everyone wants to hear from Benton. We have a couple announcements to make. Unfortunately, because of this goddamn invisible murderer called COVID, the Houston and House of Blues shows that were scheduled, I believe in March, are being canceled. I mean, they're canceling March shows. I always thought the invisible murder was a tooth fairy. (laughs) I did think that. That's so funny to me, and I can't explain why. Um, House of Blues show in Houston is canceled. However, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a very strong chance that we are going to do some outdoor shows in late September, early October on the East Coast, a couple uh, in the Midwest. We're driving. We're going to take a couple flights safely. A tandem uh, bike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever we have a to do. A <laughs> broomstick. Um, so check the website, WhitneyCummings.com. I'm also going to do text alerts. I know this is boring, annoying logistical stuff. I hate it as much as you do, but 818-239-7527. Text me. Text me your questions, your comments, your dick pics, your bathroom pics. You know I'll take- Start a fight with her. Start, honestly- a lot of people have. They want to. T- they they people want to uh, challenge me about how shiny I am. A lot of people don't like my new look. They don't like my new gla- uh, blue light glasses. That I'm really getting, bothers if me. If you have notes about me or my personality, critiques, criticisms, why do it publicly in the comments? I'm not going to look at those. Text me directly. If you want to hurt my feelings, that's the way to really do it. Yeah, and if you have notes about me or my personality, hang out with my parents. <laughs> Because they'll agree with them. And also, if you see horse shirts at a vintage store, you text that to me. Text me the vintage store, and I'll fucking order it. A lot of you have been doing that, and I appreciate it, quite frankly. You guys have become my stylist. Half the horse shirts and weird-ass horse jewelry I wear, I get texted. People go, I saw this and thought of you. And I went, yeah, right, bitch. I'm going to start blocking those people. You you can text me. You put your city in. So when I'm coming to your city and when there's updates during all this COVID madness, I can say directly, hey, this show just happened. It's rescheduled. Here's the deal. You can, you know, it's a drive-in. It's a, you know, we're doing a lot of like on grass, like the way you would do a festival. It's a picnic. It's just like a a better way to connect because sometimes, you know, social media, sometimes we don't get in the algorithm. Yeah, sometimes you're on the algorithm and you miss it and then you're mad. Yeah, and then you're like, why the fuck didn't you come to my city? And I'm like, bitch, I was there last week. Stop. You muted me. You muted me because I was posting too many pink hair photos. Um, Anyway, so those are the logistics. Check the website. Oh, we have more logistics. Oh, what? We have new merch coming out next month. Oh, you and the merch. Me and the merch. You and the merch. Um, Take it away, Benton. I apologize. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, we have new merch coming out next month. We've Uh been working on new merch. And it is, I will say, a strong departure from what we've been doing. Yep, 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 yep. And it's a lot of fresh looks. It's a lot of fresh looks and hot uh, taglines. Yeah, it's hot deadlines, fresh looks. <laughs> fresh, fresh looks. Uh, it's a lot of stuff you've been asking for. That's right. And a lot of stuff you 
you didn't know you wanted. A lot of stuff, frankly, that might get you fired. A lot of things that will not work in the dress code of your I think uh, place a lot, of business. I think it's a lot of stuff that'll help you leave subtle hints. <laughs> a lot of stuff that you should never wear on a first date. Uh, you maybe the wild. I mean, shirt? we've a lot. The, the wild shirt is have, Whitney one hundred and one. It's Whitney one hundred and one. But there's there's uh, wolves with merch on it. Wolves with blue eyeliner. We <laughs> have fans coming, Benton. No, no, fans. we don't have fans. Stop oh, lying. We We're waiting on those. Okay, but we do have but fans. We, we will have fans if you're watching. Uh, if you're listening, you're not going to be able to see this. Benton, do it. Do the fan. Do it now. Bam. <laughs> oh, isn't that bone so fun? chilling? Bone chilling. It's so satisfying. If just you're ending, just any conversation. To this podcast, I encourage you to see what Benton just did uh, on YouTube. It's because the best it way to end a so conversation. It is so sexy. It is so powerful. It it. I'm just saying, what ass pussy was written with you and that fan? And everyone should get a fan. Because I have a theory. If you any argument, you're just like, did you did you eat my sandwich with my name no. on it? Oh. Yes, you did. Okay, I'm sorry. You're right. I did. You're right. I'm sorry. Exactly. Oh, thank you. You're. I just got this. Got heated, and now you're cooling it down. Yeah. Oh, Mona gets really triggered by the fan. Mona is my dog, who's now panicking. Monologues, jokes, news. We are a serious news organization now. We are a serious news organization. We are. I. I honestly believe that our news is the most truthful and scientifically. Accurate. Correct. <laughs> you guys are pitching names for our news segments. Uh, very true news. Pretty good. Barely news. Not bad. News is the question mark. You, <laughs> is this news? Anyone? News? Is this thing on? News? Uh, Frank News? Because my dog's name is Frank and he always interrupts the news program. And, and it is Frank News. Turns out all those names were taken by the actual networks. <laughs> so I believe we are the least biased news network out there at this point. Oh, we have to be. I was watching CNN the other day. Excuse me. See, Frank always has to participate in this. I was watching um, uh, CNN the other day, and the anchor was reading the news and was sighing and rolling his eyes. And that's like, that's actually relatable. Mood. I know, but you can't. You can't do that. You can't be like anyway. So this vote passed. Oh, goddamn Republicans! Like it's you like, can't do that. You're a news anchor. You're another not, fire, I guess. Yeah, you're not allowed to roll your eyes. You know what I mean? It's almost like like you're just eating skittles. I'm waiting like, for them to get to the point to the, they, where they make that jerk off motion. You know, when yeah. you're in a conversation, like I guess that law passed. Fucking blowhards just voted on it. It's like you can't do that. This is the news. Or they like put things in. Quotes. Anyway, that law passed in the <laughs> yeah. Senate. You can't impeach. Yeah, you can't <laughs> do air quotes around things. Like it's. I believe we are actually the most direct, non-biased news source at this point. Um, so give us the top. What's our top story, so, Benton? Bring it home. We're going to start off with this. Is this is some hard hitting news? Hard hitting news. It's hard. Rock hard news. I like, my, I like my news. Like I like my dicks. Rock hard. <laughs> I like mine in picture form. Uh, lavender sales. They're up during the pandemic. People are buying more lavender to calm themselves and hopefully help fight off uh, evils. The, the Spirits, I guess. This is where we're at as a society. Like, honestly... I'm very worried that no one's going to take the vaccine because people are buying lavender as a medical remedy. We've gone back to witchcraft. We've literally... Like, We've come full circle. Urban Outfitters won. <laughs> They've won. I'm, I'm very concerned of where we're going in terms of putting our faith in uh, potpourri 
potpourri and crystals. Like we're in a pandemic. Let's focus on actual true science. Let's when the vaccine comes, you guys, please take it. Don't go. You know what? I already have that lavender bath oil. Why would I need an actual vaccine? I whisper all my fears into a box. (laughs) Why would I need this vaccine when I've already got this salt lamp right here. Yeah, I lay in the moon every night. <laughs> Evil can't touch me. You know, it's just stress is the worst thing in the world on the immune system. You know what's stressful? Paying $18 for lavender oil. Also, it's it, it smells gross. Mm. It smells like the girl who invites you to Bible camp and then talks shit about everybody in the prayer circle. <laughs> I can't relate to that. It's but very much you like should, we should. Speaking of BetterHelp.com, you should log in. It's very much like what that is. I want to know what herb keeps people that buy lavender away from me. <laughs> but, uh, weed. <laughs> oh, okay, true. Is my guess. But I just, I'm very concerned. Like, I know we're in peak stress. I know we're in peak anxiety. But I hope we still believe in science after all of this. Like, I think we're getting to uh, uh, sort of hokey wellness, you know? Like, oh, there's, yeah. I don't know if it's I Instagram. Mean, I don't know, you know, what it is. But I'm just, I, I just really hope you guys are taking care of your immune, immune systems, eating well, hydrating yourself instead of just using a dildo made of turquoise and thinking that's going to cure COVID. Listen, if lavender worked, Salem would have been a lot different. Because <laughs> they had actual yeah. Salem. Uh, that's, well, that's <laughs> the thing. Lavender's been around for thousands of years and it has not done anything for the general vibe of humans. It ha- So I'm a- I'm anti-lavender. <laughs> I f- this does feel like news because this I feel some hate mail coming on. <laughs> I know this is a hot take. Did Whitney just try to cancel lavender? I know. (laughs) I just know a lot of people that are like super stressed out and super anxious and they don't take care of themselves and they eat crap and they don't exercise and they don't hydrate themselves. But I just got a fucking lavender inhaler. I'm good. I'm carrying rose quartz in my bra. (laughs) But what's the news around this? That was it. We did it all. Oh, so, okay. The sales are up. Basically, people are buying more of it. People are buying more lavender because they're more stressed out. (laughs) People understood that the first thing we said. Oh, do you think? Okay, because I'm confused. (laughs) They just thought we were talking about lavender. What what else is on the docket, Benton? Well, um... As you can tell, I didn't have a lot of time to prepare for this. (laughs) You saw, uh... (laughs) It's been a busy week. (laughs) I recorded, like, three podcasts this week. So many dates. It's been a lot. I know. I did Joe Rogan this week. I didn't have time to, uh... Uh, research lab, as you can probably tell. <laughs> and no one needs to, so that's yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, the news. We'll I'll, get to it. <laughs> the news. You do the work. <laughs> the uh, news. You tell us what's going on. Uh, <laughs> Ow, I just hit my <laughs> mouth on the mic. Well, you saw Britney Spears uh-huh. wants to end her uh, conservatorship this is big in the with news. her dad. This is a very hot story, okay? And a lot of people want to free Britney. I feel like I'm going to get canceled uh, after talking about this, but... I I started following her on Instagram and it makes me very anxious. It makes me very unsettled. I was looking at them and the thing that really upset me that made me think that she's either unhinged or something is very wrong is that she did three separate posts on three separate days in the same shirt. Yeah. Eco-friendly queen. But I'm just saying, for some reason, that to me made me think something was deeply wrong. When she shaved her head, I was like, oh, we all have bad days. We all want to just, I've felt the urge to do that before. I get that. Smashed a car with umbrella. We've all seen our boyfriends get a text from an ex and thought about it. We've all all been there. We've all listened to too many Adele songs. Yeah. (laughs) Smashing a car. But seeing her in the same top 
in three different photos in three different days. I was like, there's something wrong with this girl. There's something terribly, terribly wrong. Cause that's some, and aunt, it's her dad. That's some aunt shit. That's some like that. That's a, that's something that only an aunt or a dad would do. It made me think that he's in control of her. Yeah. That's media. very much like, this is my good shirt. Also, yes, but also I think he's, I feel like he's doing her social media. No, I don't know any woman. He controls everything. That is sane that would do that. Also, her captions, obviously written by a guy. There's like the, the heart emoji, the rose emoji. the A the, panda. A panda emoji. Like no women do that. They're like, just like talking about, she's just talking about colors. Like yeah. I love the color. No, but she's also so positive. It's like, I'm so happy to be alive and my life is so great. Like no woman would ever write Life is going great. <laughs> it's just way too positive. I just don't know any women that would never. Only a white straight man is writing yeah, that. Yeah, clearly. It's a white straight man that has access to a lot of money who's like, nothing's wrong. No woman would ever act like that. And Speaking of what her dad is doing, uh, how can I get you on this program? Me? Yeah. On what? On conservatorship. On <laughs> The conservatorship thing, I get the point of it. I mean, the idea is to basically control her finances and control. I could benefit from that. We need someone to veto plaid shirts. Yeah, we need someone to come in and intervene in my wardrobe and my captions, quite frankly, and manage my money. I mean, I when I first started making, I get why they have this in place. It's to make sure she doesn't blow all of her money. Like when I first started making money, I just started like paying for like dogs, dental surgeries. And I was like broke. So I get why they right. don't let people in their 20s have a lot of money. We make would make back if I had no one helping me manage my money, uh, so many people would be dead. Listen, <laughs> And I would have like four elephants in my backyard. I mean, someone does have to come in and make sure that creatives, emotional people don't just have a blank check. But it shouldn't be your parents. Imagine if your parents I mean, were still buying your clothes. No, but <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying like there's Britney Spears and then there's Jake Paul, <laughs> which is the other extreme of right. like someone needs to intervene on that. That is so... Oh my god. I just I am convinced that he is writing her captions because also the spacing is off. This is the kind of shit I notice. <laughs> It'll be like, hey everybody, space, three exclamation points, another space, and then a period. I'm like, this is a dad that drinks too much. This is a dad with a holster phone. Yeah, holder. this is a dad. This is a dad that still has the Bluetooth in his ear just all the time, yeah. even when he's not on the phone. He's making calls about her money and writing things he wants to. <laughs> Also, look at who she follows. She only follows people that dads. It's like Pitbull, Mariah Carey, Kenny Loggins. Like she doesn't even follow like young celebrities. It's just like professional golfers yeah. and baseball players. <laughs> like totally. It's like Tony Robbins and like, like it's just it, like um, Shania Twain. Like, why is she following Tommy Bahama? Uh, yeah. Why is it? <laughs> That's so so weird she follows Margaritaville. <laughs> that is really funny. Why does she follow the Rainforest Cafe? This is a random follow. Also, you can tell her dad is fully controlling her life mm -hmm. because he, they said he's controlled it since 2008, which is the same time she reapplied that eyeliner. What is <laughs> happening? I have to, to be that honest, eyeliner. I truly, we're not like shaming her. We're not shaming her looks. She's an icon of legend. Uh, no, of course. We love Britney. I'll fist fight her dad. But I truly believe that she is not allowed to go out or like go on the internet because everything she, it's very 90s. Like everything that she wear, her makeup, like you never see her in like, you know, the very forward fashion look that, for example, 
I have trademarked, like blue eyeliner. You never see her True. doing. You never see her doing hip, cool stuff like that. But no, you never see her in like modern clothes. She's still wearing stuff from her first tour. She's still. Wearing, or like recycle that. She's still wearing stuff from BB that I got dry humped in when I was fifteen. I mean, she's still wearing these midriff peasant tops, and this is how I know that she is not allowed like near things or to make decisions. All of those peasant tops look real closely. Zoom in on that photos. There, the there's always a um. Like a the, oh, hanger, the hanger string, string. <laughs> the hanger string that that they put on the store to keep it on the hanger yes. that you cut off the second you get home. They aren't cut off. They're hanging out of her shirts, which means they don't let her around scissors. Oh they don't let God. her around keys. They don't let her around knives. There is no woman that would not cut off those hanger strings from a brand new top. It's the first thing you do when you get home. Also, all these crop top peasant tops. Let's well, she's say that three times fast. She's trying to, con it's her dad is buying her peasant tops to try to convince her that she's poor. Like, yeah. You're just a lowly peasant. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, she's an icon. Why is she dressed like an extra in like the My, My Little House on the Prairie porn parody? <laughs> oh, God. Like, what is, that is so sad. And also, the chokers. <gasps> the chokers are straight from Claire's. Very 90s. Like she's always wearing two chokers, and I'm convinced they're tracking devices. Maybe they're like shot callers yeah, or something. Definitely. Who's wearing chokers? I mean, the kids. The kids these days? Yeah. But hers are not they're not her chokers. Hers are hers, hers are the plastic woven chokers. Yeah, those are they were made in the same factory as slap bracelets, the ones that she has. It's all very 90s. They're not like the new cool chokers, like they're the ones we wore when we were like doing whippets at raves. I mean when I was a kid. Whippets. <laughs> I knew that she I mean, I knew it was trouble when she made that video where she was like, So guys, I burnt my gym down. Um, you know, I had two candles and one thing led to another. You can also see her reading something. I feel like yeah, well, she's, I feel like someone's holding up a whiteboard or like cards or something. Yeah, and they're always filming from the top the highest angle they can. She's and totally she's reading something. Up. Yeah. Because if she could say what she wanted to, she'd be like, So guys, I burnt my gym down. Um, you know, I had two candles and one thing led to another and uh, I had to set myself on fire. So my dad let me leave the house. Like it's like what else could she say? But she also says it with like no emotion. It's like it's almost like feels like, you know, I don't know. She she's like not allowed to have a personality. She's not like I burnt my gym down. I'm. It's like she's like anyway. I burnt my gym down and now I'm doing this thing and now I have to redo my gym anyway. So now I'm going to show you my exercises. It's like <laughs> what she said. She's like a little robot. I have two candles and you know one thing leads to another. She said that. Yeah, house fire. <laughs> also, her ex can I tell you something? I'm now we're going on a tangent. Her exercises aren't even 2020. She doesn't even have like new machines in there. She's on like, she's like doing these like, you know, remember, I, you know that thing that's all over Instagram of Jamie Lee Curtis and John Travolta yeah. doing those exercises. Her exercises are literally like calisthenics from the 70s from like a video. It's almost like she's a kid. She's like, watch this, watch this, and she just spins around. Yeah, she's just, yeah, she's like spinning and like doing like weird exercises with like no weights, no she's ball. She's like a heel click. There's, yeah, there's no, there's no like yoga ball. There's no like modern machinery. Like you look at the rocks gym and it looks like a badass like gold's gym it's got like all the new stuff like she doesn't even have that she's like doing jumping jacks i'm like you know there's newer exercises yeah why well, we let's help her what are we gonna do i love her here's what i'll say okay <laughs> devil's advocate girl devil's advocate Brittany. if you're listening if you're a fan of the pot oh also this is what we'll do she doesn't follow a lot of people on instagram let's do this Brittany. if you need help follow me on instagram do you think she's allowed to listen to because this? Because I... <laughs>
Well, someone might get to her. Let's get this. Because a lot of people say, we said, like, they were like, Brittany, wear black if you need help. Oh, yeah. Wear yellow. She wore, like, eight days in a row. (laughs) She wore yellow the next day. Like, but that's a little bit could be coincidental. She always kind of wears yellow. Well, she also made a whole post about yellow. She She posted just the color yellow and then wrote how much she loves yellow in the caption. That's wild. That's wild. Yeah. So, Brittany, free her. Free her. Follow, uh, if you follow us, we will get in a car. We will drive down there right now, and Benton will fight your dad. I'll knock on the door politely, <laughs> and I'll ask you if you can and go get some ice cream with us. He will first reapply <laughs> your eyeliner because that does. It, I I know a wet and wild, runny, teary drip when I see one. I mean, that that is... That's a good description of that. I have, <laughs> really... I have cried in Wet n' Wild a lot. That is not NARS. That is Wet n' Wild makeup. Yeah. I mean, she is not getting she's new makeup. a cultural icon. I know. But here's what I'll say. Devil's Advocate, Britney Spears, I, little Devil's Advocate. If you've been in that weird-ass marble bunker for the last, I don't know, 20 years, now's probably not the time to emerge. Oh, true. <laughs> I just, I'm just saying, like, maybe maybe give it another six months. The idea that she, like, is finally like, I'm free, I'm free, and she goes out and everyone's like, put on a fucking mask, bitch! And she's like, Jesus, I'd rather go back right. into my fortress with my uh, uh, full year-round Christmas tree. She's like, the last time I was out here, I was bald eating Cheetos barefoot. Like, this is so different. <laughs> yeah, like, what happened? Why is everybody such an asshole? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's like, we don't like Pepsi no more, y'all. <laughs> Yeah, and we're like, wash your hands, bitch! Like it's you're you're coming, you're being freed at a weird time. <laughs> <laughs> they, they all think she's a Mennonite in the clothes. Yeah, it's just like protests and riots everywhere. It's just like, it's a Ugh. lot. Anyway, I feel like we've talked a lot about Britney Spears. What else can we inform our fans with so they they are up to date? What's next, Benton? <laughs> um, sorry, I didn't write anything uh, for any of this. I'm just winging it. The next thing, did you know? What? That flushing urinals can spread COVID. Yeah, no shit. Big question, who's ever flushed a urinal? <laughs> you ever been in a men's bathroom? The pee's just on the floor. <laughs> Whoever wrote this article has never been in a men's restroom. Also, hot take, urinals are pointless. We don't need to line up beside each other and piss in a trough. You can pee in a toilet. It takes a little more work. You have to aim. But like, work for something in your life, dude. That is the stupidest waste of space in a bathroom. I hate a fucking urinal. It is so weird that you guys are shoulder to shoulder with your dicks out. It is such a weird... Like, as a choice. <laughs> like, what do you need to talk about with your dick in your hand like that with your friend? What are you doing? You're so Stop. I'm dying. Had a lot of traumatic experiences in bathrooms. But hold on. I'm actually researching this because I'm a real journalist. According to a report in the Physics of Fluids Journal. My memoir. First of all, the biggest biggest takeaway of this is there's a journal called the Physics of Fluids. Okay, I wouldn't know what other fluids are in that journal. I know. I I would like to subscribe to this publication. (laughs) This is already my favorite magazine. Researchers found a flushing urinal can blast COVID particles two feet in the air, potentially infecting the unsuspecting urinal users. How, I'm sorry, two feet in the air wouldn't, how, you'd have to be very short for the state <laughs> in the mouth. Like, do you, how far does urinals, how far does piss backsplash? Once again, no one's ever peed in a urinal. It's on the floor. <laughs> I am telling you, there's there's just piss all over men's bathrooms. The urinal doesn't matter. Oh, you know what I hate about urinals? That little brick that's in it? The air freshener? Is that what it is? Yeah. That is so disgusting. You know what you don't have to put an air freshener in? A toilet. <laughs> 
because the pee doesn't sit there for days. So now experts are suggesting during the pandemic, people should wear face coverings in public restrooms. Okay, well, years ago when I was hanging around in bathrooms wearing masks, everyone thought I was weird. And look how that's changed. Look how that's changed. Look at me now. They also suggest that they sit down to pee, which like asking a dude to sit down to pee is like like asking them to flush the urinal. They're only going to do it when they're alone. Do guys sit down to pee? If I saw a guy sit down, I'd think he was taking a poo-poo. Well, what if they were just sitting down there just holding their little penis back, <laughs> peeing in the toilet like this? Can you just sit down on a toilet and pee without, like, Touching your penis? Or, or what? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think some people, I think that depends on the size of your dick. <laughs> if you have, like, a little penis, I think you have to, like, take a little square of toilet paper and, like, put it between, like, the, you know, so it's not, like, touching the rim of the toilet bowl. No, but you would scoop. Maybe back. that's why people don't like toilets. Now that I'm thinking about it. Well, women, toilets are very sexist to women. The way that you sit actually makes it so that you don't empty you empty your entire bladder. So you're actually supposed to either elevate your knees or lean forward as if you were like squatting in a hole. Like that is the only way to completely empty your bladder and make poo poos properly. So it's toilets are bad for women, but can men sit on them and pee? I mean, you I've can. Never thought about you this definitely before. can do that, mm-hmm. but I think that. I think that you it would. I mean, I'm pretty sure your penis would like lay on the top of it a little bit, or in it, or it, it has to be on the side of your penis. Do you have a giant dick, Benton? No, that's why I'm saying I can't what comment on this because about? I never think about my penis but that much. He, but I'm sure there's. Some, do you, did but your I'm penis saying, touch the toilet bowl, producers? I'm just saying. Wouldn't it just go downward? Is this sexual harassment? Sorry, you guys. If you need to talk to a lawyer, I'll give you the number. But can I just? I have you? no power. So, <laughs> like, can you pee sitting down? You got to push your dick. You have to hold your So then it would down. touch the little rim of the toilet bowl, right? No. What, yeah. How far forward are you? You would. Sit- you can't sit that far back on a toilet, can you? Yes. I you don't know You sit on the true. edge of a toilet. No, you're not do- the edge of it. You just sit on the when whole toilet. Dump? Do you just sit on the edge of the toilet? <laughs> no. <laughs> with your legs crossed? <laughs> if there was room, you have to push it back, is my point. Yes. Okay, so, you, so when you sit down to pee, you got to kind of like touch your dick. Yeah. Like to push it down. Interesting. I'm sure, sh- yeah. I wouldn't do that in front of your girlfriend, just FYI. Or anyone, really. Or anyone, really. Don't. What? Yeah. Really? Men yeah, do a pee when sure. they take a dump dump? Do girls not? But so you have to hold your dick when you take a dump? Oh, God. You guys have to touch your dicks when you take shits? I'm not like Oh, you mean you just put it, what, what is it, like putty? You just put it down and then it just stays? Really? Because the you, toilet here's seat. Here's what I'll say. You know what it is? You know what I'm realizing? Girls don't get to see flaccid dicks that much. You guys, like, are weird about it. You'll, like, cut. You only want us to see it when they're rock hard like our news. So I don't know anything about the behavior of dicks when they're not hard. Well, that was my point. If your flaccid dick is, like, if you're, a, if you're a shower and not a grower and your flaccid dick is, like, hanging over your balls, then you can, like, put it down there easily. Oh. If you have a little, like... Grower penis, it's like um, a little nub that sits above your balls, like right. hey, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I like those penises that are like, hey, I'm up here. They're like buttons. <laughs> they're just like it's like <laughs> they're like buttons. They're like inside of you, like hello. Like, I like that's... them, like little mushrooms. Like it's there's something. So cute. I think that's this was not the point of this conversation. <laughs> this is the kind of news that people need to know. I did not know that. I have lots of questions about dicks because I feel like I've spent so much time in relationships trying to like not look. Because guys get insecure about it or whatever. So thank you for letting me ask these questions. I've learned a lot. 
You should probably think they am. I don't know if I help that much. <laughs> um, no, you create a safe space. I am a safe space. What's okay, next? next I'm sweating. Up, me, I'm sweating too. I'm so hot. <laughs> we have to. That was embarrassing. Okay. Andrew Yang is coming. I, you, first Andrew of all. Yang's, oh my gosh. We just talked about dicks for in urinals for 20 minutes and like smart people that want to hear Andrew Yang had to sit through that. I'm <gasps> sorry. Yeah. But you know, those people have dicks, maybe some of them. <laughs> okay. And then the biggest thing, the last thing that we have to discuss Uh-oh. is the Wuhan pool party. <laughs> the Wuhan pool party. You know what the best way to celebrate <laughs> surviving a pandemic is? Start a new one. <laughs> that is crazy to me. That's a perfect joke, Benton. Thank you. I can't follow that. I mean, having a pool party during a pandemic is like, is like bullying a shooter during a school shooting. <laughs> You're just making it worse. Like, this is what caused the problem. I mean, they're celebrating not having any cases in like three months. And in America, we're just we're just fucking celebrating. We have no reason to, but we're still fucking partying. I mean, it's crazy. I would that pool had to be filled with rubbing alcohol, right? I don't know. I think it was. Would you get in the pool? Well, you don't get in your own pool. So I guess not. (laughs) Yes, I do. I got in the pool the other day. For photos. (laughs) (laughs) For the gram. (laughs) <laughs> would you go to this pool party if you were invited? Would you I be the celebrity guest at the Wuhan pool party? What are they paying me? <laughs> Hospital visits. <laughs> no, I don't think I would. I, I, I generally don't like pool parties outside of pandemics because all I can think about are pubes floating around in shorts and then going into my crevices. You think about genitals a lot. I do, yeah. As a woman, you have to. <laughs> That's, the trauma. Be, That's the trauma of the DM ours section. Are like, our, ours is like a a hole i mean you really it's a hole no women's genitals have, are a complex i know magical but there's space. an entry point for pretty much anything at any time we are in, it's a open there's an entry point open. in men's genitals all the time too. i know but the like a pube's not gonna like go up into your dick hole you know some pistlets are little and some are larger <laughs> pistlets yeah what's a pistlet it's the part you pee out of the little slit dick holes are b- different sizes yeah so no, I, I know that. Okay. I know my way around a dick hole. I just, wanted to, I just wanted to bring it back to dick. No. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, like, when I'm in, like, because you always have to worry about getting, like, a UTI or a yeast infection. Like, you have to just think about it because you've got this, like, open, you know. Can penises get <laughs> I don't know yeast infections? Go. I don't know. Maybe skin yeast, but there's not. We have a But full, can a little hole get a yeast infection? We're full of holes. <laughs> I know. You're a barrel. I got it. I know. We are Swiss cheese. <laughs> So we have to, I have to think about that stuff. So I generally get too much chlorine can throw off your pH levels. Like I don't even like going to pools if there's too much chlorine. In. Yeah. Too much sunshine, the wind. Yeah. I never want my pussy to be too clean. You know, I just <laughs> want to make sure it's sort of. <laughs> I want the ecosystem yeah. to say good for the turtles. Really? <laughs> you gotta, I don't want the livestock in there to die. can balance wearing bathing suits. They get, you know, it's a, it's, it gets <laughs> when dicey. When his vagina is like an aquarium, there's like a little rock, it's a chest in there, it's the moss. Just a full ego. There's like sea monkeys. Like you don't even know. <laughs> like what are you describing? I'm just saying you have to think about this kind of stuff, you know. So I I wouldn't go to that pool party before all this nightmare. Well, I wouldn't go either. Does that make you feel better? <laughs> and that's why we get. And that's the news, guys. Andrew Yang is next. I love him so so much. You're gonna learn so much from this. Um, I tried to shut my whore mouth uh, a bit so that you guys could hear. Uh, his amazing messages and thoughts and solutions. Be sure to vote. Also, make sure you register to vote and you vote early if you can. Can you vote early now? 
I mean, can you have researched it before you bring it up? <laughs> I hear a lot of people talk about voting. And all I know <laughs> how to do not it. Be I vote a on my own. <laughs> Hollywood celebrity that tells Americans to vote. Guys, can you donate money? We like, have to. We have to save something or someone. So register to vote. Is that <laughs> I what you had these glasses on? It changed. I me. mean, you are becoming a like, monster. I take responsibility, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the voting situation is, I did it. <laughs> do you want to start singing the Imagine song too? Is there anything else do you want to? No, pick? I'm gonna sing. Do you Queen to... of the night. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> do you want to start selling crystal water? bottles? bottles at any point <laughs> you fucking this candle smells like my asshole um, <laughs> my dick hole <laughs> my, my yeast no okay, we have to go we have to leave andrew yang love you guys like subscribe don't ride elephants <gasps> enjoy andrew yang this podcast will make you smarter and more hopeful and you can impress people uh on your zoom brunches whitneycummings.com slash store for merch oh that's right we now take a break to talk about well, that feels panties. fun and fresh. Right. Pantaloons. Pantaloons. Bloomers. MeUndies are truly the only <laughs> underwear that I have at this point. I have no other underwear. Can I tell you something about MeUndies? You have to. They paid you to. <laughs> I went on a hike, a date hike. I'd, th- I'd like to think it was a date hike the other day. It's a big thing we do in LA. And the underwear I chose to wear on my date hike as to not show any lines or get any weird swampage or any weird sticky, embarrassing front wedgies or back wedgies or lines or anything, picked my MeUndies. And I gotta say, I think my MeUndies that are, they're purple with like a teal line. They're like an eggplant purple. Yeah. They're me lucky MeUndies. Now, do you think just wearing those underwear got you a second date or? I think it was the MeUndies. It couldn't have been my personality. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else I could have, but I am honestly going to take this opportunity to say, why the hell haven't you ordered me more? You have a subscription. They come every month. I know, but are you still- You got multiple subscriptions? Where are they? Yeah, I kind of do. My, I have a problem with this company. Can we buy more at once? Can you, you know, I never checked, but I bet you can't. Surely you got Like, I would like, my only problem with this is I only get one of No, mine. you totally can, because I just recently bought uh, the undershirts and the socks, too. Oh! The socks are so legit soft. the best socks so I've ever soft. had. And they don't, I love, because they don't, you know when you're, like, walking around and you have the <clears throat> the lower, I'm getting choked up talking about my MeUndies. Um, They're beautiful. When socks, you know when they freaking sneak down into your shoes? Oh, these never do that. Oh, they gosh. never do they it. They like sneak down and then they're halfway in your shoe. And also, like, why are you wearing knee-high socks? Because I am a sexy person. <laughs> because and that's what sexy people do. I play a lot of tennis. That's <laughs> I, I'm a Catholic school girl. Who I'm knew? I'm a cam girl now. <laughs> um, so me undies, you guys know that I, I tend to not read copy because I want to be authentic and from the heart. And these undies have captured my heart. Me undies. Um, I'm obsessed, but we do need to talk about some actual details so you know where to purchase them. And you I mean, know. the thing that I love about them the most is that I'm not someone who like, you like like fun underwear, like you're into the prints and the patterns do, and yeah. all that it's stuff. And I don't like that. And I have, so they have classic, like just classic colors. If you're just like, you know, me, um, <laughs> Just do you do black? I do just the black, gray, red, white, and then one called Goblin Green, which I feel like maybe a read. I kind of love that. Yeah, or Goblin Blue or something like that, but I love it. I love that. There's the, you know, it's just, it's like, I don't know. I just feel like we're spending, I'm I'm taking like a whole new look at my like undergarments now that it's all I, I mean, I walk around in my underwear all day now because we don't have, we don't get to go anywhere. They have onesies now too. Oh, really? Which, I mean, 
Why don't you get me one of those? If we shop in onesies on this show. That'll be, I'll never wear anything else. It's also like, I'm not even joking. They feel like velvety, like, like, um, like, what do they feel like? Velvet or I mean, velour? I don't even know Spade? what they're made. Do they even tell us what they're made out of? Yes. I can't no, figure yes, it's it right out. Here. We should read the ad at some point. It's It starts with sustainably sourced beechwood trees that magically turn from pulp to yarn to undies, undies that kind of feel like heaven on your skin, comfort from the outside literally to in. Does that mean if Who you knew beechwood trees were so soft? I know. Keep your undies uh, drawer stocked with the Me Undies membership, a subscription that sends new pairs right to your door, plus get statewide savings on exclusive sales. Me Undies has a great offer for my people. Any first time purchasers, you're going to get 15% off and free shipping. No brainer, especially because they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. That makes sense. And people will complain about everything. For 100% of the consumers, to like something, that means they have to be doubly amazing because yeah. I feel like these days people will take any opportunity to and, say they don't like something. And people will send anything to your house nowadays. Like you can get anything just delivered to mm -hmm. you. And so this is one of those companies where when you saw it, when you see that, when you see it's 100% and it comes to your door, you're like, no, I need it. No, I have to be honest with you. My day starts with how my underwear feels. If you put on a pair of underwear and you're like, ah, my butt. Like, oh, God. Like, you know what I mean? It just sets the tone for your entire day. Yeah, you know I'm so I'm happy you quit wearing burlap underwear. <laughs> I stopped wearing the bob wire thongs. <laughs> and so, like, it's just you put them on and you're like, boom. They're, like, tight. They fit. You know what I like about it? The elastic doesn't stretch. Tear. Stretch. You know how after you have underwear for a little while, they start getting, like, baggy and weird? Yeah, and, like, they're shorts. Yes. Like, these are my basketball yes! shorts. Yes. They become, like, a kerchief. And so uh, you, I've started using half of my old underwear as, like, masks at this point because they don't even fit anymore. So, We've like, truly talked about underwear so long, it sounds like we have a fetish. I, I know. So it's to, getting So to creepy. get your 15% off your first pair and free shipping. I'm authentic. <laughs> and I'm real. I don't just read the ads. Okay? I use the product. I'm not a hacky phony. I did such a good impression last time. You really did. <laughs> to get your 15% off your first pair of free shipping and 100% satisfaction guaranteed, go to MeUndies.com slash Whitney. That's MeUndies.com slash Whitney. Better help. Okay. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I'm tired of carrying crystals in my bra. <laughs> and BetterHelp has really fixed that. I've saved so much time now that I don't have to sage my body before I leave the house. <laughs> you don't have to do your Wiccan rituals anymore. Yeah. No more. You don't have to. I've stopped kill praying frogs to the moon for your cauldrons. <laughs> yeah, better help. They fixed it. <laughs> you know that on this podcast we almost exclusively talk about mental health or lack thereof. It's our because we're trying to find it biggest priority. We're in a constant search for sanity. Thank God for better help. You know, I'm the first person to say that when. People in the public eye talk about therapy and my therapist. It's like, okay, most people don't have three hours a week to drive to a therapist, pay $700. You know, it's just, it doesn't, the, the, you know, I feel like the traditional model of therapy in person is just set up to actually make you more stressed out and more anxious. It's like, yeah. well, most of my anxiety is about money. So why am I going to go to therapist and spend all this And there's money? so much going on right now that everybody's kind of looking for a therapist. So yeah, it's kind of yeah. hard to find one. So yeah. it's nice to be able to like connect with someone from your home. 
It's also, by the way, the in the old days, you just like asked a friend for a therapist and you would just go to some therapist and you're just like, oh, well, I guess I have to stick with this person because I've already been here a couple of times. What am I going to start over? Like now you can actually yeah. find someone on BetterHelp that matches with you. You can look at a bunch. Like it just makes so much more sense because you actually know what's out there. You can start communicating in under 48 hours, which is in my experience, whenever I need a therapist, I'm like, I need to talk to someone. And they're like, great, we have an opening in two months. And you're like, well, I need it now. So this, you can communicate in under 48 hours. Um, there's a broad range of expertise, uh, which may not be locally available in other areas. Maybe you want to um, you know, talk to someone about addiction or trauma or breakups or anxiety, whereas- Or the old days. Or the good old when days. When we worked the land. <laughs> You log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You know, their traditional therapy drives me nuts because it's sort of like I need to talk now. I can't wait till tomorrow. Yeah, this I'm is like, sobbing in my car. It's like Tinder for a therapist. It kind of is. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. You'll never have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with that stupid Zen garden with the little pebbles in the sand and the rocks. You don't have to like run into people you work with in yeah. the waiting room. Betterhelp.com. Visit their website. Read their testimonials. More affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. I love this company. It is such a game changer. Do you want to read the logistics part so I don't get it wrong? Visit betterhelp.com slash Whitney. That's better help, H-E-L-P, and join over a million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using better health that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I'm available. Oh, no. <laughs> Special offer for good for you listeners to get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Whitney. Andrew Yang. It's it's a it's a superhero crossover <laughs> event. Whitney Cummings, Andrew Yang together at last. And we, we were just talking like I feel like I've known Whitney for years because she worked with a close friend of mine uh, and I've been a huge fan so thank you. This conversation feels long overdue. Long overdue. And I've been such a fan ever since, um, you know, I've obviously read your books, but I heard you on Rogan. And I got to be honest with you, Andrew, I grew up in Washington, D.C. I grew up around politicians. I'm sort of born very cynical about politicians. Hearing you on Joe Rogan with such a breath of fresh air, the fact that a someone running for president could even talk for three hours without you know, seeming like they're full of shit or disingenuous. Like, I just, I am such a big fan of yours. And oh, thank you. That that was the runner up for my slogan. Andrew Yang, not full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're dealing with like peak cynicism right now when it comes to politics. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. The fact that you grew up in D.C., uh, DC is a very institutional town, mm -hmm. and I feel like, and this is hopefully not anything that controversial, but I felt feel like you went to a school that also is kind of stealth institutional in the form of Penn. Like it's very practical, but mm -hmm. they all become bankers and consultants. <laughs> well, yeah, I just get discouraged because it's like, and you know, I don't follow follow politics super closely because it ends up depressing me, and I get too adrenalized and addicted to it. It's almost like a like a sport. It is or, depressing. It can, I can get depressed, but people like you have re-energized me and make me feel hopeful and positive about the future. But when you start learning, like you know, how campaigns are run, how much money's involved, it makes you start to feel hopeless and helpless. Well, what's fun, Whitney, is. Uh, I ran for president and learned a lot, and now I'm starting to figure out just how fucked up the system is yeah. and how to unfuck it up. Uh, so one of my new- That's going to be so your next presidential slogan, unfuck America. 
well, hopefully, you know, we uh, we end up getting Trump out, and then there's less of a sense that we're we're all uh, feeling now. But the problems in our system are structural in terms of the incentives that legislators have and the corporate interests and the rest of it, which I think most people know something about. But one thing people do not know about is there's this entire professional consultant class that uh, wraps itself around any candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and and yeah. those incentives are also not positive. Uh, so my goal right now is to figure out everything I've seen in terms of how the software of our political system is leading us awry. And that's one of the reasons why people like you, very, very smart, uh, engaged people have washed their hands of politics. It's not irrational to wash your hands of politics because it's so infuriating and everything seems so ineffective. One of the big fears I have is that politics has become this uh, drama of characters rising and falling, but none of the real problems get solved. Right, 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 right. And the problems are monumental. Uh, like I was concerned about them even before the pandemic. Uh, and now they're worse than most people even realize. Uh, I, I'm genuinely uh, terrified for what happens if we don't do something very differently in the next number of uh, days. Terrified about, um, we'll talk about you know automation in a second, but terrified for the environment, for uh, mass riots. Like what is the main thing you're f- afraid of? I'm afraid that the way of life for millions, tens of millions of Americans is disintegrating in real time. And we Mm -hmm. put a a bit of a stopper in that through the enhanced unemployment benefits and the other stimulus programs that went through the end of July, but then they ended. And right now we're talking in August, like the deterioration in August is real time. Mm. I'm friends with a guy who runs a company that processes all of the financial information for over 2 million gig uh, and contract workers. So mm-hmm. in other words, he's got like a dashboard of the financial situations of millions of Americans, and he can see it in real time. And he told me that he can see, he saw what happened when the jobs got lost in uh, the spring, but their incomes stayed okay because of the unemployment benefits. And then mm-hmm. it hit August. And then he said, it's all... Uh, crashing down wow. right now. And the number of temp gig and jobs, uh, temp gig and contract jobs that are available on this, you know, millions of jobs platform mm-hmm. has gone down by uh, something like 60%. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you can imagine millions of Americans who were uh, cobbling together lives through uh, TaskRabbit, Uber, right. uh, like catering, uh, you know, anything where you know that people do yeah. temp gig and contract yeah. work. And that can be all the way up to paralegals and accountants and their contract lawyers. Like all of that work is disappearing. Yeah. And then you imagine what's happening in those households, but also in those human beings. Because yeah. if you get that sense of scarcity, it starts to really uh, screw you up. Um, and, and, and can I just not to interrupt, but um, uh, in one all. of your books and also on Rogan, you mentioned that our IQ goes down by 13 points when we can't pay our bills. What actually neurologically happens to our brains when we're worried about money? We get dumber. <laughs> we start making less. Um, uh, uh, we start making worse decisions for ourselves. Our judgment gets clouded. Yeah, we become more subject to really nasty negative impulses, Mm -hmm. which can be self-destructive very often. And that's one of the things that I I believe is happening right now, Whitney, is that most of us, when things start going poorly, like we're the, we're going to be, 
we and the people in our immediate vicinity are going to be the first to know about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not necessarily that you're going to go out to the streets or do something, um, but you're going to start treating yourself poorly. You're going mm -hmm. to start treating the people in your lives poorly. Uh, the the mental health crisis yeah. predates the pandemic, but I'm, I've got two young kids in the house and uh, I'm sure they're better situated than most American children. And they are, uh, not exactly flourishing in this time. Mm. Uh, you know, you look around and you just imagine that playing out around the country. So so those are the things that terrify me is like you're, you're watching real-time disintegration um, and then you have this political system that is not connected to that mm -hmm. uh, because of some of the problems that uh, that I've discovered relatively recently. Um, they existed <laughs> well, before I got here. But, <laughs> but it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to run for president and see what the heck is going on here. Uh, uh, so there's, there's a disconnect there. There's a disconnect in the media, uh, because the folks who do the reporting, uh, tend to live in and work in certain environments and a right. lot of their work can be digital so that you, you're seeing glimpses of it, uh, in the food lines and the rest of it, but the, the true nature of it still, uh, massively unreported. Can I ask you, though, real quick, again, we're like a comedy podcast. I, it's called Good For You. We try to get people as much information as possible in a way that's, you know, fun with some levity, you know, because I think something you're so good at is using humor so that people actually, you know, are able to process what you're saying. Some of this stuff is so depressing and bleak that we shut down. You know, I find myself, I go onto a news site and I just like, you know, I just don't have the emotional bandwidth to process everything that's that's also going. very, very reasonable and rational. Like, you know, right, right now. And that, that's the, the tough part of this is like I, I tell everyone just like, look, just take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times taking care of yourself will mean turning shit off. Yeah. Because yeah. And what? then but then you're <laughs> misinformed. Like so it's this nightmare. But I'm going to be really honest, like, you know, the new news media is really bothersome to me. You know, when I, you know, I don't talk about my, you know, personal politics too much. I think it's the most of them are pretty obvious. But, you know, when I turn on a network like CNN and I see the um, you know, the news anchors rolling their eyes and sighing and clearly having a vendetta and clear I just it shuts me down a little bit because like I grew up in Washington DC there was the Washington Post I read it every single morning and there was the news and then there was op-ed and there was a difference between facts and opinions now I never feel like I'm getting facts I feel like I'm always getting opinions and even though I agree with the people that I'm watching for the most part I all the way it's being delivered to me sometimes just feels so glib and emotional that it's hard for me to feel like I'm getting accurate information or it just sort of turns me off. It makes me feel like it's a gossip session or something. You and I are just old enough to remember a time when there were only three TV networks, mm -hmm. and a few uh, anchors who said pretty much the same thing. And there was like 30 minutes of news a day. <laughs> who knows <laughs> if that was accurate back then, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> a lot was, well, you know what I mean? But, but it was like, we also read history books of... that said Columbus discovered America. So <laughs> we were probably lied to. It just seemed like less of a lie. Or, or it seemed more, uh, more fact driven and less personality driven. Yes. That was part of it. Yeah. It's like they, they almost, found the most boring people they could yeah. just deliver. <laughs> it's so <laughs> like, true. Just uh, speaking of automation, they were just robots that were just like reading from a teleprompter. Yeah, the same voice being like today and da 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 da. da. <laughs> so it, it, you know, and, and then it, it's morphed into this other thing. And one of the things I called out recently um, on Twitter, when, you know, and ended up with like a in a in like a bit of a back and forth with some characters is the media right now is broken. Yes, I agree. Um, and and the fact that someone like you um, has picked up the fact it's like, look, like this stuff started to turn me off because 
it, it seems like we're all just uh, taking a point of view and driving our point of view. And then each news source has become something of a news silo mm-hmm. where even if I agree with you, it bothers me. Yeah, where they're they're reinforcing certain perspectives and priorities and values um, over and over again. And what's happened, Whitney, is they found that that's better for their business. Mm. Uh, and right now, all of their incentives are around driving audience, particularly in a time when you decimate, let's call it a thousand plus local newspapers, which you've done. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you have these cable networks uh, that you know are, are very driven by ratings and have a format. And, and clickbait and getting us to be emotional and getting us to get adrenalized. I mean, I think they know they're drug dealers at this point. I think they understand the science. You know, um, Rogan, and I, Rogan and I were just talking about that book, Irresistible. About, I mean, they know that when they put an emotional word or say, you know, Trump slammed, like they use these words that really adrenalize us and get us to click. And it's really scary to think that they sort of know what they're doing. It feeds off of conflict. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was running, I tried, I tried not to to get engaged with like the, you know, Trump tweet of the day because I was like, this is so dumb. Like this yeah. is just playing into his hands, and this is not the point. And there, there's they're like deeper problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is the nature of our news media. And there was a producer uh, who recently left MSNBC and just called out and said, "Look, I don't know if you saw the story, Ariana Picari. Um She said, "Look." The journalists are not bad people, but the system is driving very, very bad yeah. decisions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And 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 she said, we get better ratings when we talk about Trump. So yeah. we just talk about yeah. Trump. And and we're theoretically in opposition to Trump, yeah. but it turns out that when we're making production decisions, we lead with Trump all the time wow. because and, and then it ends up in inflaming certain emotional reactions among people. Uh, so that that's the that's one of the big concerns. And the, what's happening to our media is a is a an emblem of what's just going wrong generally. And I could even apply it to the entertainment business that that you're a part of, which is essentially the market drives everything now. Mm-hmm. Like if it makes money, then that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and uh, one of the things I said on the trail is if you have money on one side and people on the other, who's going to win? Money. And then they think about it for a second. They're all like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Neil Postman, there's an amazing book that Neil Postman wrote, I believe in the 20s, called Amusing Ourselves. Uh, I'm sorry, in the 50s, Amusing Ourselves to Death. And I mean, how the way, even when I, you know, turn on news networks and there's an eagle flies by and it's like, dun, 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 dun. It looks like a Marvel movie. I mean, the news is now, you know, news and entertainment are really merging in a very postmodern way. Um, that's very surreal to watch. But you know, I never thought I'd say this, but I, I I would really love to just read some boring news with, you know, and also, and I want to talk to you about this because um, I know you're working on something about um, getting paid for our data, which is fascinating to me, and I would love to get into it. Our attention spans now are so short as well. Like, I, I see this as being such an um, epidemic uh, moving forward in terms of our ability to uh, process information and gather the information we need to make good decisions as voters and as Americans, which is like, by the time I read two sentences, there's like an ad pops up from a pair of shoes that I put in my cart two weeks ago. <laughs> you know, I, I I feel like people talk about the assault on democracy, the bots and the Facebook Russian bots and all that too, but also just this assault on our attention and the fact, yeah. you know, like what can we do to protect ourselves from that? And where do you get your news? 
Well, it's one reason why podcasts were so good for me mm-hmm. and that Rogan podcast in particular. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's one reason why cable news was not a great format for me, because if you sit down and have uh, a five minute TV hit with five questions and there's a rhythm be like, Andrew, like, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. You know, why are you doing this? And th- there's always like also baked into those media interviews for much or most of my campaign was a, a lot of skepticism was yeah. like, do you really think you could win? <laughs> Stuff like that. But like, honestly, oh. let me tell you. Yeah. I mean, the way that you handled that on Rogan was just so endearing and charming and authentic. And like, yeah, I do. You know, we just saw something pretty wild happen in, you know, 2016 that we never thought could happen. So why not? Yeah, and and it was fun surprising a lot of folks because if you lined up a hundred DC pundits, uh, you know, in in twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen, and said, you know, like, is Andrew Yang going to outlast like a bunch of these senators or governors or whatever? Like, you would have gotten zero takers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that the fact that we showed that conventional wisdom is failing, um, I'm very very proud of, and thank everyone who supported me. And my Are you going to run again? Everyone's asking uh, me to I, ask you that. I'm just going to keep trying to drive forward the solutions that I think we need as a country. And I would 100% run again if I thought that was the most effective way to to advance some of these solutions. Uh, right now, universal basic income, uh, now a majority of the country agrees that we should do it. <laughs> Wait, so just uh, to, for those that don't, I'm sure everyone listening does, but the fact that you brought up universal basic income, people were like, that couldn't even compute for a lot of people. And now it's just happened. Does that bother you at all? Oh, I'm thrilled. The majority of Americans are now on board. But it was your idea. (laughs) So it seems like you, I mean, you're so genuine. It's like you just wanted it to happen regardless of who did it, you know? Oh, very much so. I don't really love a lot of the... Uh, politics stuff. Yeah, I think the most ego. people sense that about me. Um, and, and the behaviors necessary to be a successful politician mm-hmm. are either unrelated or negatively correlated with, yeah. <laughs> with, 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 with the folks that you'd actually want Why? making decisions. What is, people what is people's problem with this idea? I'm just going to be the Joe Blow and ask a dumb question. Like $1,000, it's a lot of money for a month for people. That can change a lot of people's lives. And I think a lot of the people that talk about it on the news or whatever, it's just not a lot of money to them. So they don't think it's necessarily a good idea, but it's like to most people that can really change your life. That would be a game changer for tens of millions. But the people talking about it on television, because that's a small amount of money to them, (laughs) you know, it's like it's like baked into the the people's point of views that are actually talking about it is that when only rich people are talking about something that uh, affects non rich people, they're just way too biased to even understand how valuable it is. Yeah, I, I had that conversation a number of times like, on air where yeah. I was like, yeah, you do realize a thousand dollars would actually be very helpful. And Joe Rogan's a good friend of mine, but he's like a thousand bucks. Is that really going to change someone's life? I'm like, yes, Joe, <laughs> I know that's not a lot of money to you, but like I have family members that that would completely transform their lives. And also, as you said, just make them sleep better, operate better, function better. You said IQ goes down by 13 points when you're worried about paying your bills. Like imagine how much that would change just the, you know, the vibe of our country just sort of like or imagine increasing the collective iq of the united states of america by 13 points which is one standard deviation. maybe people would you stop know, totally do it. maybe kids would stop eating tide pods <laughs> it might actually yeah, they'd be like oh you know what if i don't <laughs> eat this tide pod i make thousand dollars <laughs> like that next month can i just bring up that 
the Democrats or the left, you know, I hate saying any of those words. It feels like teams at this point. You know, it feels like, you know, cowboys versus raptors or something. But I do feel like, and tell me if I'm wrong, the left puts their candidates through a purity test that is unproductive and in fight in a way that I don't see the right doing. Am I making that up? That's accurate and correct, I believe. Uh, and uh, it's not a good thing. I don't, I, you know, I think it's unproductive, you know, and, and one of the things I'm really proud of, Whitney, is that I think people started to understand what I was about over time mm -hmm. uh, and uh, realize that, you know, I, I'm trying to help um, and I'm just using different ideas than you've heard from other people who are trying to help. <laughs> but this <laughs> also be very good. Yeah. <laughs> but it seems so, like a lot of the, the, um, uh, most the most pressure that the left gets is from other leftist candidates. It's like really, I, I mean, when I see people who are like, I don't know, but like, what about that vote from 22 years ago? It's like, dude, shut up. <laughs> like, you know, I remember I heard once, um, uh, uh, Democrats have to fall in love, Republicans fall in line. Yeah, and no one's perfect. Uh, and there is this strange standard that we try and hold uh, political figures to particularly on the left where we expect you to be mm -hmm. superhumanly uh, clean cut, positive, squeaky clean, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh, I think it ends up resulting in a conversation that doesn't speak to a lot of Americans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we're also just addicted to outrage in a way that I just feel like we really need to, you know, bring to light. And per that, can I just ask, how important is Twitter in terms of the decisions that you make? Comedians, we're always trying to figure out, uh, am I getting canceled? Like, uh, how many tweets <laughs> means you're getting canceled? How many tweets means you need to make an apology? I'm just so curious for politicians because I think we all are so desperate to be heard. We're all so desperate to make a change. You know, sometimes people vote in a way with their tweets, like everyone just wants to be heard um, so badly. How much of an impact does Twitter have on the decisions that you made when you were running and that you make on a daily basis in terms of feedback? Well, I've uh, spent a lot of time on Twitter over the last uh, couple of years, and I started my campaign with perhaps 5,000 followers. And now, um, now it's like 1.6 million. So I, I have like this relationship with Twitter where it was just me and freaking nobody listening period and and then when folks started um uh responding to me or following me they were all yang gang frank yang gang because no one else cared about what I was saying uh and so I ended up with this group of people that was very like-minded frankly like-minded to to you as well um that were tired of politics as usual and wanted to talk about different ways we can solve our problems and bring people together and stop the polarization and uh, demonization that, that's happening. Um, and so I wound up with this incredible community of folks around me on Twitter. And then when I got big enough, when people started objecting to various things that I said or did, uh, <laughs> there were Yang Yang being like, uh, you know, no, like, shut up. Or like, you know, it's like, like, and then I was just like, oh, well, this is very, very positive. Uh, and, and the Yang Yang really, You're really the only person by... that's ever had a positive experience on Twitter, by the way. <laughs> Testament to your uh, fans. I, well, I really do appreciate the heck out of them. And the Yang Yang was so vital to my campaign gaining any traction because what would happen was 
uh, reporters would ignore me and then all these people on Twitter would be like, hey, why didn't you include Yang yep, in that story? Yep. Uh, the, the Yang Yang was also very, very positive generally. Yes. Like they, they, because we have a vibe of uh, not being jerks. And That's the, right. the thing that uh, journalists actually said to me numerous times were like, your people are the most courteous. I and, agree. Calm, uh, rational, kind. Yeah. Yeah. So so I ha- I've had a very unusual Twitter experience um, and not to say there isn't some negativity because, you know, you get to a certain point and then people uh, start trying to throw rocks occasionally. Um, but I'm personally above average at laughing off like rocks that are thrown at me, uh, you know, and, and I had a note on my phone at one point during the campaign, which is just remember that to the vast majority of Americans, you're just the magical Asian man who wants to give everyone money. <laughs> Because then when someone was like taking aim at something I said to some group, I'd be like, just remember that to the vast majority of Americans, you are just. (laughs) But I am just very curious in terms of like how much of our um, digital footprint matters to politicians when we're is it useless for us to tweet? Is it helpful for us to tweet? Like what how much of an impact are our voices having when people do tweet just for everybody listening that are trying to find ways that democracy is going to evolve. You know, how can we exercise um, our rights as a democracy on a daily basis now, since it seems to be crumbling and, and atrophying in other places? Like is, is Twitter something that makes an impact uh, if we don't like something or is it something that, you know, is it, is it sort of our job as Americans to speak on Twitter every day? Because I think some of us feel helpless. Some of us feels like it's just an echo chamber. It is is certainly no one's job to speak on Twitter every day. (laughs) 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 I could say that. Yeah, yeah. Conviction. Yeah. Um, So so I'm the math guy. Approximately 21% of Americans have a Twitter account. Mm -hmm. And of them, many of them are inactive. I think 2% of them generate 80% of the tweets. Yeah. So so you have to know you're looking at like a very, very distinct subset and slice of people. And when I was marching around Iowa, New Hampshire, the vast majority of people I saw on the trail in the cafe or the Union Hall were not on Twitter. Right. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting. Also, look who our nominee is like Joe Biden um, is our nominee. And I don't think he was rocking out Twitter on the regular (laughs) (laughs) to the the people of South Carolina. Like that wasn't the way that went down. So, uh, so what is it good for? Uh, it is good for, uh, community building, uh, in some cases, uh, it's good for making people feel like they can connect with you and know you. And it's very, very good for driving media narratives. Uh, because if you look at, I'm going to say like 95% of major journalists are on Twitter, do pay attention to it. Uh, and you can see stories getting driven from Twitter. Uh, obviously, I mean, Donald Trump discovered this, discovered it like, uh, you know, in, in <laughs> 2016 and then uh, rammed it all down our throats. Um, but for me, too, I started with this modest following. And Whitney, the first time I tweeted something and it, it was and it popped up on cable news, it like blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, I was How like, I just that? that, and then it's like, <laughs> you are a magical Asian man. <laughs> because I was used to, again, like not having any audience. So then the fact that, so what it was, was it was a picture of a Waffle House. <laughs> and it just said back in the South, because I was back, you know, I was back in South Carolina. I just thought this would be like, you know, a random thing. And then it just like popped up on 
um, uh, on CNN, and I was like, they just took my <laughs> picture of a Waffle House, and they didn't like delve into it for you know five minutes, but they just like being like Andrew Yang on the trail, back in, like, and and so. Um, and so that, and keep in mind, I was running for president. And so mm -hmm. I was like, Ooh, like that's a way I can drive, uh, attention and, and conversation. And in my case, my campaign ended up being driven by a lot of, uh, internet friendly content. Um, and, and I was trying to compete. So mm -hmm. like I leaned into it. So those, so those are things that Twitter can be very effective at is driving media narratives, uh, and cultural commentary, um, but for reaching the vast majority of the electorate, it is uh, not going to be your first mm -hmm. tool. Oh, that's very interesting. Um, I I feel like one weird thing we have in common is we're both obsessed with talking about robots. Um, my last stand-up special, I had a robot in it and, you know, I a companion robot. Um, and I just, you know, got so obsessed with the fact that this is so close and nobody's talking about it. And uh, I don't understand why it's not covered more. Um, the question is, you've talked so much about how automation is going to take jobs. Is there ever a scenario where they're going to create jobs that are safer, like in customer service for the automation tools? Like, is there anything to look forward to in that area? There is something to look forward to if we make it, something positive happen. Uh, so that the problem right now is that, and I, I've run companies, so like everything about the companies is trying to optimize and maximize the bottom line. Uh, and so if I can find a way to get rid of your job and replace you with software or a mm -hmm. robot or AI or whatever it is, I'm going to do it like mm -hmm. 100 times out of 100. Uh, and so our only path out is to start creating incentives for us to do different types of things that are not robot competitive. Mm -hmm. Now, are there there's are there certain contexts where robots are going to do things that we don't want any human doing like yeah so we could look forward to that it'd be like like, like you can imagine something really shitty that people are doing right now that like a, a robot will do mm -hmm. um and so uh, and we should be celebrating i'll give you an example that you know is from like the the campaign that's very pressing uh if you had self-driving trucks that would be tremendously disruptive to our labor force because you have over three million truckers. That's right. But but trucking is very very bad for a person's physical well being mm -hmm, over time. Like mm -hmm. you're sitting in one place, you're isolated, or you know, like yeah, not like the. I mean the the health problems among uh, truckers are rampant, mm -hmm. uh, endemic, and so you can imagine an alternative world where we're like celebrating the liberation of truckers. Yeah. Because like great news, your truck can drive itself. Like, but right. instead you're gonna end up with riots because they're like, yeah. what are you talking about? It's like my my livelihood and. My existence. And I think it's important for those of you that, um, you know, didn't hear the Rogan podcast, you talking about, you know, the riots, like, as you said, this has happened before in the first industrial revolution, there were riots. This is pot. This yeah, could happen. We're seeing, we're seeing it through the pandemic, too, mm -hmm. uh, because very reasonable companies are automating things away because mm -hmm. it's just not it's now it's not just better at the bottom line. It's yeah. better from a public health standpoint. If you're a consumer, you like it more. Mm -hmm. You go in before and you might have thought the the, the robot in Walmart was creepy before, but now you're like, yeah, you know, less human interaction. Like it, it's, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does, it doesn't have to wear a mask. Don't have to worry about having COVID. Yeah. So the, the robots are uh, here to stay and it's picking up steam. There was a story about how even a meatpacking factory was replacing their processing workers with robots because mm. the, the, the fear was that if you have too many workers in the meat, processing plant they might get covid and infect each other so it's like let's just replace yeah. them with robots 
Uh, so the pandemic could even accelerate this. The, the robots seem like an even better idea, right? It's an even better idea. I think there was a major uh, study that asked, hey, are you in increasing your investment in automation because of the pandemic? And about half companies said yes. Wow. Wow. Not to mention if, you know, it's retail or restaurants closing stores and, you know, the <laughs> places that would need human beings in the first place. Okay, are we are we rolling? Yeah? yeah. If you're listening to this and not watching it on YouTube, shame on you. You're about to miss me. But also keep listening to it. Don't, <laughs> don't like, stop. Quip is a toothpaste. You, Benton, you can say all the Quip details. Quip is a... Quip? No, I'm not kidding A toothbrush. You. They also make a toothpaste. No, they make a toothpaste, too. I'm fully obsessed. Everybody asks me how I clean these giant-ass horse teeth. I am so obsessed with this toothpaste. Look how cool it is. It looks so the future. beautiful in your bathroom, and it sits up straight. You know how toothpaste uh, mostly lie on their side and then all, like, goos out? I'm about to show you something for those of you that can't see it. Benton will describe it. When you open the cap, there's no goo everywhere. She's opening a cap that um, of the Quip toothpaste is mostly clean. It is. I know. I just squirted <laughs> a little bit out, and look how you never have to squeeze the top because it sits up right, and it's just right there. It's always the bottom. You're not guys. Struggling. Gravity. You're and not that's like. But I'm just saying, you're not like fighting with a toothpaste tube, and like, like it's not all nasty and gross. It's just the first thing I do in the morning is I brush my teeth, and I want. I don't want it to be a hassle. It sets the tone for my entire day. You know what you're describing? What? those ads where white people just like fumble and throw things around in like infomercials that you and your toothpaste okay i don't know what that means but thank you um and then the toothbrush is so sexy i don't know if i'm allowed to say this can you read the copy to make sure what i'm saying listen when's it, the last time you got rewarded for brushing your teeth look how beautiful this is it goes into this glass container it almost looks like like an old cool chemistry yeah i love that you kept your case too oh that's, my god that's I'm so you like I, beauty and the beast oh i'm obsessed with it it's like christmas every morning i love that this right here sticks to mirrors and like showers and yes you, wanna, you can put i love that on a mirror like put it up in your shower who, who brushes their teeth in the shower that's a very specific type of person. You're a psychopath. I brush my teeth in the shower and also not in the shower. Okay. I have two toothbrushes. Okay. Can you believe? Two quips. Um, uh, the master of quips, literally and figuratively, Benton Ray. Listen, when's the last time you got rewarded for brushing your teeth? Also, sorry, look at the base of this. It's almost like a beautiful rose gold. Is this gorgeous? It literally is, is rose gold. It's gorgeous. gorgeous. toothbrush. <laughs> like, honestly, this is the sexiest toothbrush. It makes me feel so fancy in the morning when I use it. I know. I have the all bl matte black one. It feels like Love Blade it. Runner. It's like the toothbrush they use in Blade Runner. I turned it on. Can you guys hear it? Zzz, can you hear it? Well, you know what? I'm gonna say no, which I like. I don't like that when you're in the morning it's waking not too up loud. and it's like, like no. I don't want that. Okay, we have to get to the details at some point, but I just want you guys to understand. Well, I've been asking you. When's the last time you got rewarded for brushing your teeth? Uh, uh, it's a great question. Yeah. I mean, I guess just because I have to wear a mask all the time and I don't have to spell bad breath, so every time I put on my mask. Well, with Quip's new smart electric toothbrush, good habits can earn you great pork. Perks, porks, great perks like free products, gift cards, and more. Oh, nice. Track when and how well you brush. Get tips and coaching on how to improve your habits, which I actually need because my dentist recently told me I don't reach back far enough. That's a different conversation. Redeem for rewards, free products, gift cards, and discounts from Quip and partners. If you already have a Quip, you can upgrade it with a smart, smart motor and keep the features you know and love. Sensitive sonic vibrations, I just showed you that. A two-minute timer with 30-second pulses for 
or guided clean. That's what it does. It, it has these little pulses. So you don't have to go like, do I brush too much over here? I, like you just outsource that decision to someone else. You see people that brush their teeth and you're just like, blah, blah, and you're like, yes. that wasn't brushing. It's too fast and that, too much. And you did too much in the wrong place and not enough mm-hmm. in the right place. You're breaking down those gums. Mint or watermelon toothpaste. For adults. Watermelon toothpaste. Oh, I'm favorite. obsessed with I know. That. It's so good. It's so, it's like delicious. It's, I mean, yeah, you don't eat it, but don't you, eat I it. want to. <laughs> we just lost this um, sponsor. Anti-cavity ingredients for strong, healthy teeth. Floss that expands to clean and comes in a refillable dispenser to reduce waste, which is my biggest problem with floss is it's just like so much, so bad for the environment. Eco-friendly solar battery charger to power your quip with sunshine. How uh, I am so proud to be a, involved with this company. That was and, a sincere statement. I know. I love them. And... You can get the brush head, the toothpaste, the floss refills, all delivered for $5 to your door. Wow. <clears throat> wow. That's crazy. Slim, white, lightweight, sleek, with no wires, no bulky charger to weigh you down. Join over 5 million mouths who already use Quip. Save hundreds compared to other Bluetooth brushes where you get a Quip smart brush for just $45 Join the revolution. Get into the future. Stop with that old nasty, moldy, crusty ass brush you've been using. You're embarrassing yourself. Honestly, if you're a guy, I'm just going to be straight with you. Get a quip and put it in your dating app main photo and your life will change. <laughs> just a toothpaste I'm not ad. even joking. If I was on a dating app and I saw a guy just holding a quip, I'd just be like... I, He's a dentist. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'd just be like, you make great decisions. Like, I know everything I need to know about you. You're modern. You have your... Am I allowed to curse in these? You have your crap together. You have your priorities straight. Like, you're just... It would be... It's the opposite of a red flag. Start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today. You get rewards for brushing your teeth teeth and go to getquip.com slash Whitney right now. Get your first refill free. I'm starting to stutter, so why don't you take over? <laughs> That's your first refill free at quip at no. That's your first <laughs> refill free at getquip.com slash Whitney. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Whitney. Quip. Better oral health made simple and rewarding. Earnest. Earnestly? Earnest. Earnest. You know what? It's so cool that we're talking about earnest, which helps with student loans, because a big part of Andrew Yang's platform, which he's been talking about a lot, is about reducing debt for students and just how ridiculously yeah. expensive um, college is. And it's- a big part of my platform is annoying all the calls they give me. Asking <laughs> me to pay it back. I was like, you knew you weren't getting that when you gave it to me. Student loans are so emotionally crippling, just knowing they're following you around, just knowing no matter how hard you work, you're still going to have to give a part of your paycheck to a school from eight years ago. Right. You know, it's just so crazy. The fact that we allow 19-year-olds to make that decision. I know. And you have no idea what you're signing up for. Student loans and refinancing them with earnest could save you money or lower your monthly payment. And it only takes two minutes to check your rate online. In this podcast with Andrew, we've probably already said this, when you're worried about money, your IQ goes down 12%. And that's my problem. 
<laughs> which is like when you're preoccupied with money and scared of of money, it's just hard to make good decisions. So this is really, really worth looking into if you have the sort of cloud of student loans hanging over your head. If you're still paying the same rate you were paying when you graduated, the odds are you could reduce your monthly payment and save majorly. If you've already refinanced, uh, today's low rate environment, most people can actually refinance again in. Earnest is the easiest way to refinance your student loans, saving you time, saving you money, checking your rate. They make it fast. They make it easy. Uh, takes two minutes. You'll get your personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit score. That is really uh, the most important. Because sometimes when you go and look up refinancing, it affects your credit score. Sneaky. They'll do anything to ruin your credit. God, they will do anything (laughs) Anything. to ruin your credit. Oh, you went to shop at Victoria's Secret? I don't think so. (laughs) Now you're homeless. (laughs) Oh, you just Googled the new Cardi B song? Your credit goes down. Yeah. If you qualify, Earnest offers customizable loans and no fees. You can even combine private and federal loans. That sounds super complicated, but they make it easy so that you have one single monthly payment. That is so awesome. If you've already financed a loan, no problemo. You can still be eligible to lower your interest rate. And the internet loves Ernest's customer service. They are rated 9.4 out of 10 on Trustpilot, so you'll always get the support you need. That's huge. That's a big deal. When you have to call someone and talk about your money or something like that. Oh, so stressful. Like a bank or like a bill place, like and, and the person stressful. has like an attitude. Oh, it's it nothing makes, worse. Oh, yeah. I'm already frustrated. I'm already anxious. Like, obviously, yeah. you know, so that is really cool that they're That's amazing. so on top of it. Start saving today. Our listeners get I want to call the customer hun- service just to like just to say, say hi. Thank you so much. I just want to like talk. What are you up to? I just want to say hi. You <laughs> like, guys I'm, sound awesome. Like I'm, I'm working. <laughs> no, but I just, you guys are rated so highly on Trustpilot. Like, do you want to hang out? FaceTime yeah. me. Do you want to be friends? <laughs> <laughs> Start saving today. Our listeners get a $100 cash bonus. That's when you awesome. ref- That is truly awesome. When you refinance a student loan at earnest.com slash Whitney. That's a $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan at earnest.com slash Whitney. Go to earnest.com slash Whitney today. Earnest, like Ernest Terms and conditions jail. apply. Like Ernest goes to jail. Um, I'm curious if you uh, uh, talk much about the ethical uh, implication of robots if like why aren't laws starting to be made around this stuff like I feel like we're laws so what are those Whitney no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like we are so behind because I got a robot built for my last special and I now know how many companion robots are being purchased a lot of people that buy them keep them secret you might not know about them but it's so much uh, bigger than we think it is and it's so much closer if not uh it's already here like why is it because lawmakers i'm just gonna be dumb for a second is it because they're just old like why <laughs> that's why? not dumb at all yeah so that yes i mean there, there are a number of reasons but our government is decades behind on technology issues yeah. which includes robots and they don't understand yeah i've been to the dmv i noticed or if you just take your average congressperson mm-hmm. Uh, like what is their life? They shuttle between their district and DC. Mm-hmm. You've spent time in DC, so yeah. it's not exactly like this tech hub. No, <laughs> no, no. They they pride themselves on the charm of like colonial architecture. It's like this doesn't feel <laughs> like we're like it's the the laws feel as archaic as the architecture of the city. You're like this is feels does not feel modern. 
Yeah, a congressman said that to me. He said that the halls of Congress just reminded him of Imperial Rome just to say, like, look, nothing's going to change. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like all if, the marble columns. If the laws are at all as old as these buildings, we have a problem. <laughs> One of my dreams, uh, it'd be very hard to execute, so I have to figure it out. Um, but uh, if you try and change the culture of a place, changing the physical environment is a great way to go. So uh, I'm imagining, can you imagine if Congress met in like a, like, one of those Spaceship. modern office buildings. Yes. Or even, uh, or, you know what I mean? Like, or, or like a, um, not to be extreme because they're there, but like even one of these like Silicon Valley type slick class and, uh, and you'd go in there and you'd feel like you were part of the future. <laughs> and then someone's like, Hey, you should probably make a rule about freaking AI. <laughs> well, this is why it's so, you know, and I've been talking about this a lot in my standup before the pandemic happened and my, you know, tour got canceled, but you're talking a lot about getting paid for your data. And I've heard you say that data is like the new, oil, right? Oil. And it's, I, I would love to hear your take on this. I would love to hear, um, share this with everybody. It's so important, but I look at the lawmakers and I'm like, we can't have a conversation with data with these people. They're still probably on AOL. They're probably on sbcglobal.net. Like these people don't have an Alexa. These people probably aren't even thinking about this. It doesn't affect them or bother them. They're just yeah, old. Th this is the, the problem is that you have legislators who don't have incentives around solving problems. Mm -hmm. They have incentives around raising money, avoiding controversy, uh, making sure they don't get challenged by, uh, by someone meaningful <laughs> in, in, their, in their district. I mean, that's really yeah. like that, that's, the, that's their uh, the job seeking. Uh, one thing I'm for, which would change things dramatically, is term limits, because then yeah. your incentive is to get there and solve problems and then leave. Right. You're going to leave no matter what. So when I was on the campaign trail, I said, look, here's how we get term limits passed. Term limits for everyone, but current lawmakers are exempt. That way you can pass term limits and then being like, fuck it, I'm grandfathered in. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're not affecting you. After We're not taking bread out of your mouth. We're not affecting you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you can be here until they pry your seed out of your, you know, clammy dead hands. But... Uh, <laughs> But the person after you, has and they to were like, the "Hey, they couldn't even there. hear you, so they didn't even know what you were pitching." They were like, "We don't, we can't." The hearing aid's broken. So I, I joked with folks. I was like, uh, "If you could get them on board, if if they were all grandfathered in, they'd be like, we do this for the country.'" <laughs> be, you know, they themselves would be like, "Oh." Uh, so, so that's the kind of structural change you would need to make to change the incentives to make it so that their job is to try and get something done and then get out and know they're not going to have careers that are that span decades. Yeah, they just have this tenure where they never have to modernize or update their own software in their brain. Yeah. Uh, so. The, the challenge uh, around data is similar to this where uh, they don't understand. Mm -hmm. um, they're 25 years behind on technology. They got rid of the office that assessed technology in 1995. So they've had what? independent advice. Yeah, I know. It, it, it seems fucking ridiculous. Crazy. It's true. <laughs> um, so, so, so there used to be something called the Office of Technology Assessment that advised uh, our legislators on technology issues. Very reasonable. Uh, had a wow. relatively modest budget of let's call it you know like 20 or 30 million um and then they got rid of it in 95 as a cost saving measure Jesus. and now the only source of technology advice for legislators is the technology companies who guess what they're like oh jesus <laughs> like, god so and then you have the average age of the legislators and then you have an incentive structure around them um not having to solve problems and then you have uh, the fact that technology is not something that most of them understand. I think the average age of a legislator is 62. Give, give you a sense of um, like the generational gap. 
so am I ageist uh, so, in thinking like how can someone that that age solve a data mining issue? Uh, yeah, I, there, there are like a couple of senators who get it. Mark Warner of Virginia is like a tech type. I really like right, Mark. right. Yeah, there's some tech uh, around Tyson's Corner, right, in well, Virginia. Yeah, yes, yes, exactly. You got it. But uh, but most of them don't understand it at all. So what's happened, and this actually goes back to the data and media conversation, Whitney, mm -hmm. and I'm so freaking excited about trying to solve for this. So here's the deal: you go to Facebook years ago and you set up your account, and you're like, okay, it's free, great. And then you you get nothing's there. free, nothing's free. <laughs> and then Facebook's like, hmm, I'm gonna like sell advertisements to you, uh, and then I'm gonna start tracking everything you do, and then I'm gonna sell that to advertisers. They can target you more efficiently. And so at this point, uh, the selling and reselling of our data now generates hundreds of billions of dollars mm -hmm. a year. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when you talk about it, it's like, oh, it's free. It's like actually at this point, Facebook is generating. Uh, tens of billions of dollars uh, a year, largely off of micro-targeting us in various ways. And they say if, uh, the if a product is free, you're the product, right? Yeah, so now we're the product, but part of it, someone called it surveillance capitalism, which is a fairly good name. Whoa. Um, so, so we then become like these rats in the maze mm -hmm. and then like, you know, getting pelted by digital breadcrumbs. And then all of the folks who are in the system then have incentive to try and catch our attention yeah. in any way possible, um, which is leading to an erosion of our mental health and erosion of trust in each other and erosion of like way we get and process information and it changes the incentives of the media companies. Uh, so it, it's all tied together. And the way to think about the contrast is between YouTube and Netflix. And not to say that either is perfect, yeah. but YouTube is free, but you get there and then they pelt you. Yep, 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 ad after ad Netflix, after ad. you pay and they pelt you, but they pelt you in a much more like like gentle way. And if you don't watch the particular thing, they're like, I don't care. Like, and YouTube also targets you in a way that is hurts your feelings. They end up targeting things to you uh, based on your Google searches. And mine is always like betterhelp.com, like therapy. I'm like, easy. <laughs> <laughs> what the ads you get targeted have something to do with what you've searched, right? So it always ends up yeah, hurting, yeah, hurting my feelings. YouTube, so. Yeah, it's never you know, engagement that, rings for me. No one's ever trying to target that. That's part of the, the selling and reselling. <laughs> yeah. It's even creepier when you have like a phone call or text conversation and then they hit you with that ad. You're like, whoa. Yeah, you're like, cool. it's raining out. And then you get a pop-up for an umbrella and you're like, where did that come from? So, you know, and the devil's advocate, this is kind of what I was working on uh, before I wasn't allowed to perform anymore because of the pandemic. But like, we grew up at a time, you know, that was very different because now everyone's like, they take your phone number and they take your data. It's like, well, when I grew up, there was a book full of everyone's phone number and home address. It was called the phone book. And they would throw <laughs> it at your house, okay? It would just be like on everyone's patios. Like we just, you know, you know, homeless people had, they were hanging from uh, from phone booths. Our data was everywhere, right? We would send postcards, which literally had our data, like, you know, facing out. We didn't have encrypted documents. We would fax our documents to a Kinko's and our encryption was like a cover page. Like that was our security, a piece of paper, you know? So um, why is it so important that we think about this and, and what would it actually look like if we got paid for our data? So the ideal would be that we have a data bill of rights where essentially you say to the Facebooks and Googles and, and they're probably the two biggest data purveyors, though there are hundreds of other data brokers that are lesser um, uh, players in this industry. Uh, but you go to the Facebooks and Googles of the world and say, look, my data is mine mm -hmm. uh, and you have to tell me what you're doing with it. 
you have to tell me if you sell and resell it. Right. Uh, I can turn it off. I can move it with me. Yeah. And uh, and if you do sell it, I want to cut because then at mm-hmm. least I can. Now, now here's the thing. Most of us are um, not interested in being our own data cops because we have lives. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, exactly. And, 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 you don't, and you don't necessarily want to be like, what, what's going on there? And so what you would do is you would end up knighting an intermediary. And I actually formed an intermediary uh, called the Data Dividend Project, which is like you can sign up at ddpforall.com. And then we want to be your data cop. And then essentially say, look, we'll figure out what's happening with your data. You can tell us generally what you want to have happen. Mm. And then and if there's value, then you get it, as opposed to right now, the tech company is running off with it. Right. So this is one possible approach. Um, a technologist named Jaron Lanier called it like as uh, data intermediaries, because, because we don't necessarily, again, want to be our own data cops. But at this point, it's essentially a free-for-all, mm-hmm. uh, and there are various impacts. And the impact that I've been trying to pitch to people is like, look... If they're making $200 billion a year, shouldn't we be getting some of that? Off of your Google searches. And yeah, every time you sign up for something or download an app or whatever. And I was recording a podcast in West Virginia last year. And, you know, the people I were talking to made a really good point, which is that the coal companies came in and mined all our natural resources. And now, you know, the big tech companies are coming in and mining our data. And it's just like it feels like the you know same thing again. Yeah, and just like you ended up with regulation saying you can't dump that crap in the river. That's right. Like uh, in in this case, it would be like can't just sell and resell our data right. willy nilly and just prey upon us. Right, right. Fall into like a, you know sort of inputs into the like the yeah. giant machine. Uh, and so this you can see it as an economic argument. You can see it as a fundamental human agency and autonomy argument. You can see it as a mental health argument. Yeah. You can see it as a democracy argument. Uh, but it's all crucial. Um, and the fact that we have let it go this far is just a sign of the fact that our government is way out to lunch mm. on these issues and they don't understand what the heck is happening. Now, they're starting to examine the tech companies more closely around antitrust issues where they're saying, look, some of this stuff's anti-competitive. And the most ridiculous thing was when Zuckerberg was like, I, I you know, they thought I'd be mean to Instagram if they didn't say yes to my acquisition offer. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it, was, it was just like... So the anti-competitive stuff is like the first thing they're looking at. But to me, the data rights piece is as or more important. Agree. Uh, and and one of the things that I want to do uh, if Joe and Kamala win is to advance these ideas and try and drag our government forward because we're not going to have a functioning society or democracy if we don't start giving ourselves more control over what's happening to our data. Colin Quinn did a special about possibly splitting America into two countries. I don't know if you heard of that sort of idea. Does that just sound insane? Where, where did he draw the new boundaries? That, <laughs> it was kind of, yeah, that's a really good way to put it. It's like, yeah, yeah, South, Northeast, yeah. Um, you know, people say like, our country's so divided, our country's so divided. Is Are we more divided than ever or... Is that just something we say because it sounds good? Most Americans agree on most things if you frame them uh, in a certain way. Agree. It's just it's just right now you have uh, this coded language that has mm-hmm. led to tribalism, mm. uh, and so and then you can just gin us up against each other uh, pretty quickly. And uh, I learned this on the trail where I did not understand the coded language thing 
Like mm-hmm. I, I would just presented uh, arguments and what I thought was English and numbers. <laughs> I was like, hey, you're like, you're like, hey, we should probably do something about the fact that AI is coming and or the rest of it. It's a little too um, rational, sir. Can you please say something irrational so that we'll listen? <laughs> well, here's where it got, got wild, Whitney, is that uh, what I realized was that my way of describing problems and solving them became their own uh symbols yeah um and there was a real need for a different approach and uh, happily you know hundreds of thousands even millions of americans got behind that approach um and it drew in a different set of people and so what i've realized is that you have these different uh framing of the same issues uh, with these symbols and there are a lot of structural incentives around trying to get people excited enough about these things to dislike the other people yeah 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 yeah, I just feel like we're being pitted against each other in a way where even someone that I ostensibly like should disagree with, if I get in, the, in a room with them for five minutes, like we agree on most things. They're probably this- fine. Yeah. <laughs> like I actually really like you. Like I tour all over the country. It's something that, you know, I feel so grateful as a comedian that I actually get to go out into the world and, you know, see people in these red states, blue states, which are now just, it feels so binary. And I go out and I'm like, we have so much in common. Like, you know, people come to my shows and, you know, we talk afterwards and you'd think we were differently aligned and i'm like this just all feels very um fabricated in order to pit us against each other to create that adrenaline that's going to make us click and make us outraged and that's what we have to put a stop to because if we do that we can uh find common ground and and i like most people i've been all of the country sort of like a comedian i guess you know it's like but i find most people to be very very uh very good reasonable yeah, reasonable is reasonable. The like I just feel like people are way more reasonable than we all think, and we're operating in these generalizations now and these polar opposites of like everyone's this and the South is this and the North is this, and you know it's just like um, I guess we also really have to look at our neurology and the way that our you know kind of brains are wired. You know, it's what does it say about human beings that we invented robots that might eventually replace us? You know, we do a lot of irrational things. Well, I will say, Whitney, we have underinvested in the integrity of our society for decades. So to the extent that we don't have as much in common with each other, mm. we haven't really been investing in that commonality. And I'll give you an example of something that I thought would be a very positive step is I proposed an American exchange program where your senior year in high school, you go to another part of the country. Love it. Family, Love it. You live and work there for you know, like, uh, uh, six to eight weeks. That's genius. And then you have like Facebook friends with like folks who had another, and then come back and be like, Hey, I was in Arkansas and like people were fine and friendly and like, you know, nice to me. And I lived with a family and like they, their kid went somewhere. Yes. Else. I love uh, that. It's not very expensive. And it's the kind of thing that would build national integrity. Uh, like we're not investing in national integrity that there, there used to be circumstances that drove us towards it. For example, let's say you had, you know, a world war and then, you know, like drafted people. And there was like this sense of common purpose. Uh, And so it's one reason why people are making calls to national service uh, over this past number of of months, which I agree with. Um, And so my American exchange program is supposed to be some of the ingredients of that. Now, at this point, because we're short millions of jobs, we should just be finding ways to put people to to work. Yeah. Um, Particularly young people who are going to struggle to find a real path forward 
um, if you were to those opportunities, if your children said, dad, I'll do whatever you say, I'll go to the college you want me to go to or not go if you don't want me to, I'll take the class. Like, what would you want your kids to major in and what would you want them to do? The the problem with Whitney is that we've uh, failed to adapt our educational system for what's going on out there. Yeah. And so here, here's what's happened right now writ large uh, in the country. And it's even it's much, much worse now. Um, so college has gotten uh, two to three times more expensive mm. than it was since I went, probably about twice as expensive as when, when you went. Yeah. Um, and, and what's happened was that colleges have become very large bureaucracies uh, and they raise their prices every year. Mm -hmm. And then if you're... Unless you're a Hollywood like, celebrity, in which case <laughs> you can pay to have your kid on the canoe team or whatever. Well, I'm sure they they <laughs> jack the price up extra high for that person. So so the so the costs have gone up and up, and then families are like, well, I have no choice but to pay. But incomes have not gone up, uh, and so then they just took out 1.6 trillion plus in loans, uh, and and just everyone thought, well, that's appropriate because everyone's doing it. And then it turns out when your kid graduates from college, uh, the the salaries have not gone up, and so you've had this massive imbalance where you've just built up this giant debt pile. Uh, and people's professional prospects have not meaningfully changed. Uh, so if you say, well, what would I advise a young person to do? Like, we need to try and make it so that college doesn't break the bank for the yeah. average American family. Uh, and then we need to try and invest in non-college routes, primarily vocational schools, uh, because we're... Can I ask you what that means exactly, what an example is? Uh, vocational school is pretty much anything that after you come out, you can do something. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 so <laughs> Applicable <it could> be, <laughs> knowledge, you mean? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it could be uh, plumber, mechanic, um, uh, hairstylist, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like anything in, need. in yeah. that milieu. Yeah. Uh, because right now we're way below the rest of the developed world in terms of the proportion of our people that go through vocational embarrassing programs. embarrassing in, in the u.s it's six percent of high school grads are in vocational in germany it's over 50 percent wow. give you a sense uh and so what we've done is we've sold college 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 to people and we've stigmatized anything that's not college mm -hmm. we've then made college crazy expensive yep uh, only about a third of Americans will actually graduate from college. Mm -hmm. The college completion rate has gone down. The other half will have to go to rehab expensive. afterwards because of <laughs> college we've life. We've invested in, in non-college paths. So those are the that, that's the structural backdrop of what we've done uh, to really shaft a lot, a lot of people, a lot of young people. So then, if you line me up with like an individual young person and say, "Hey, what should this young person do?" Uh, it depends upon that person's profile. Uh, I think that for most people, if they're in a position to go to college, it's a good thing. Mm. Um, if you're in that top third of the population for whom, frankly, like, you know, it's it's appropriate. Um, and then what you'd study, there's like a message right now that you should hire, study science, technology, engineering, math, uh, and the rest of it. And those things are helpful in that they make you into a structured thinker and will make you able to, frankly, like interface with a lot of these technological changes in a more positive way. Um, but the proportion of people that are going to be employed in STEM fields is still relatively low hmm. uh, relative to the population. So saying everyone should learn to code is bullshit. And, and the fact is most people 
don't particularly want to code. Yeah. It's, <laughs> sounds very tedious. So, yeah. So going around telling kids, it's like, hey, really get in there, like hop side up. It, it's, They're it's like, no, I want to get girls. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, I hope my boys say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 um, so what I advise folks to do um, is to try and pursue something that gives them a sense of adaptability, resilience, grit, ability to work yeah. well with others, direction, uh, and seek that out professionally too, where if you can work with someone who will actually uh, give you the time of day where, you know, you can get a sense as to um, how they do what they do, like that, that sort of thing is the best measure that's generally applicable. Um, another thing that's generally applicable is to try and avoid massive debt loads because yeah. like most anything that's going to like throw that much debt on you is a bad value prop. Uh, if you like coding and the rest of it, fantastic. If you don't like, you know, like there, there are going to be many, many roles for folks who like people. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, uh, because I, I think we're doing people a disservice when we're just trying to um, trying to turn them all into engineers. We have so little time, but I just want to throw out, it drives me so insane that voting is on a Tuesday. It drives me nuts. You talk yeah, about this. It's so stupid. It's, it's another anachronism. It, it was literally so that you could have time to like take the wagon from your. <laughs> it, it was, it was, <laughs> that law was made when we were in agrarian society. Sunday was church. Monday was a travel day and Tuesday was voting day. What? It, it, I don't mean to be a conspiracy theorist, but why isn't this changing? Why isn't a holiday? Why isn't it a weekend? Uh, it's because in America, nothing uh, can change because it would be un-American to change. When he <laughs> 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 but it's just like, what, like who's stopping this? There's There have been bills to try to change it. People have tried and just failed because there's a vested interest in keeping it on Tuesday. Unfortunately, voting has become kind of politicized. Yeah. I, mean, I, I was proposing a whole series of reforms. Like we should make it a national holiday. Yes. Give everyone the freaking day off. Yes. It, uh, make it not on a Tuesday. Yes. Like, well, like give, give me the national holiday it's on, insanity. A, on a Saturday or a good day. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate because anything around voting, like there are certain people that uh, think that making it harder to vote is good for their prospects, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and you're seeing it now with this uh, election. Yeah. It's so fascinating. And and um, what a lot of people are asking me to ask you about what's going on with the mail right now. How worried should we be? How paranoid should we be? Is this election going to get postponed? What can we do? What should we do? How freaked out should we be? I'm not as freaked out uh, on the Postal Service uh, issue because and it was very, very helpful that I, I think that um, to the extent that there was something afoot, you know, now a lot of attention is being paid. Um, so thank you to the folks who, who were uh, on the spot. Um, but from the number standpoint and the average Christmas season, uh, the post office moves like a couple billion pieces, billion Mm -hmm. pieces of mail. And so if you look at the context of an election, like we should be able to get it done, mm -hmm. uh, you know, within the current operational uh, resources of the post office. Uh, it, it's it's to me the central question, though, that people are asking and should ask is that are we going to be able to count votes when mm -hmm. we can get results? If you have a dragged on election, what does that look like? What does that mean? Um, so that stuff's very real, and that which we know is going to happen regardless, right? Yeah. So that that is very important. Um, but 
I don't think we should be afraid that somehow like all the votes are going to be lost or you need to send the mail because uh, the mail actually in a way is like a fairly a strong paper trail, mm-hmm. you know, like unless you believe in it to such an extent where you think they're going to take thousands and thousands of envelopes and like throw them in a dumpster somewhere, yeah. which and you'd have to do that like all over the country uh, in, in different places with like different people like that, yeah. you know, the, the paper trail around the mail is fairly strong. Um, and so I'm not as freaked out as others. That's a are. good point. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I was like, what are they going to set it on fire in a barrel? Yeah. Okay. Now that I'm like thinking it through, I'm less panicked. Yeah. But it's great that we're attentive to it. And the, the fact that the president was trying to undermine mail in voting um, is just freaking bizarre and nuts. And the, the fact that we're at this stage is part of the dystopia that is America in 2020. But you might <laughs> run again. Last, 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 last. What was the most surprising thing about running that you didn't expect? Like a thing that was like, oh, I didn't realize that was part of the process. Or, oh, that was harder than I thought or easier than I thought. The most surprising thing was the love, Whitney. Oh. Uh, you know, really? You know, and I mean, you're part of. But not everyone. You got it. Not all the, not all the people that run get that love. <laughs> Well, I guess maybe that's why it was such a surprise to me. But you know, so, uh, so, like, so I'm, I'm like, I'm like a fairly uh, rational guy, I think. And so I was like, okay, like let's run for president, try and solve these problems, uh, and just some of the the enthusiasm and uh, hope and optimism that mm-hmm. I saw in people who came to my events and wore math hats and, and the rest of it. it was just so incredibly touching. And it may be ridiculous to hear from someone who was running for president, but like I was stunned every time. Like yeah. I would go someplace and be like, well, people are actually here to see this. It's really <laughs> exciting. And then that's because you you're not a malignant narcissist like most politicians. <laughs> and it's true to this day, even uh, where, and of course, COVID is complicated too, but yeah. because I've been in the house an awful lot. But, you know, you go out and then someone's like, yay, good, I love you. And I'm just like, really? <laughs> so, so Universal. And in, in a day where people want any opportunity to hate anything or criticize anything, you are just the, to be the most universally beloved uh, person. And uh, having you on, it's just, it's been, what a dream. You're just, you're just a dream and everything that, um, I hope for my future children, um, you know, and uh, it's so rare that there's a role model out there anymore. I mean, I always say kids just don't have role models. And you're one of the few that I mention uh, when I do you and Beyonce. Oh, that's so kind. That's very elevated company. I don't think I deserve that. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like the best version of a human being. You know, it's like, you know, I know, you know, television has changed the way that politics works. The Internet has changed. You have you had to be telegenic and then you had to be charismatic and then you had to be, you know, good at social media. Then you had to be good at there's so much that goes into it. But it's like you're just the best of every, you know, version of this. And I think people, you know, we do this in comedy and we do this in politics as well politics as well, where we assume that people are dumb, they're stupid, they're easy to manipulate. And in some cases, yeah, it's easy to, you know, get people to click on fake news and to believe things that aren't true by no fault of their own. Um, Necessarily, I have compassion for them. But like, you know, I operate that people are smart. They see through bullshit, you know, and you just are. People are smart. Uh, People are smarter. So this is and this is a big theme and something I'm, I I mean, I'd love to have your help working on some of these issues, Whitney, because you're seeing it all like the data, the media, uh, the the fact that our legislators are you know, very, very disconnected. I'm trying to fix it all. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and this last couple of years made a lot of progress, learned a lot. I uh, feel like I've advanced universal basic income to a point where I believe that we're going to get it done. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, and, but then these structural problems are both in the way and also independent of mm -hmm. it. Um, so. And we need to get things in the zeitgeist really quick. We need to get the people like us have to connect because I remember when uh, Michelle Obama, um, their last year in office, she did a conference call with showrunners and a bunch of us showrunners got on a call and she said, now um, we can make a direct link between the mass, the passage of marriage equality and the TV show Will and Grace. Wow. So what we are putting in people's homes every day, someone that doesn't know a gay couple that's, you know, and then they, you know, are put in the position of, you know, should gay people be able to get married? And they're like, yeah, well, of course he should. Love that guy. You know, he's been in your living room, you know, every night for eight years. So the things that we put in our shows, the things we talk about, you know, in our stand up, like to just really does insert things in a conversation. You know, I, I should be making a show where we talk about you know, data being sold, you know, we have to get it into the conversation um, with people that make television and the things that are, you know, going into people's brains every day. So it's top of mind. So people yeah, care. I, I talked to folks. I wanted it's one reason why I love talking to people like you who are uh, the leading storytellers, creatives, people like you end up teaching a lot of folks about, you know, the world we live in. But I agree with you that people are fundamentally smart. And the big fear I have around the media. So this is something that that, that you know, like some people, want, you know, whatever. Um, so, uh, so I've been looking into our trust in the media. Mm. Um, so the tr our trust in the media has been declining. Probably not a shocker to people uh, watching and listening to this, but it's been declining differently among different subsets of us. So Republicans' trust in media has plummeted to something like you know, fifteen, twenty percent. Like they just don't trust anything. Independent, except Fox News maybe, and Sean Hannity and <laughs> Infowars. Yeah, even then, they'd be like, "Oh, these assholes!" I never <laughs> like. <them>. Um, <laughs> then, independence, it's uh, let's call it uh, forty mm -hmm. or so, and then which is about the national average. I think our trusted media is around forty-one percent. Not very good. Um, and then among Democrats, it's something like sixty-five. Um, so what you have is you have a whole chunk of the country, let's call them Democrats, mm -hmm. uh, who trust the media. Yeah. Uh, and then the media is telling them things and then there's like this circle. And then there's a, then there are Republicans who don't believe any of it. They're just like, oh, you're all full of shit. And then the independents are somewhere between, but all of this stuff is trending down. Yeah. And so the, the thing that scares the shit out of me is that you're going to end up with a subset of the population that's like in this uh, you know, in this echo chamber that is essentially like our national conversation. And then more and more Americans are slipping out of it. Uh, and the incentives of the media companies are tied up with keeping their own audience vibrant and whole for their advertisers. Mm -hmm. uh, and the fact that it's declining, like, is just something to them. It's like an inconvenience because a lot of these audiences have been declining for a while uh, because of technology and the rest of it. Mm. So this is a disaster in the making yes. where you have uh, you and and this is one of the reasons why our integrity as a society seems so low. It seems like it's slipping away. Right. It seems like we can't reach everyone. Right. And the folks that you are trying to reach through these messages, like, are getting less and less trusting of it. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I don't believe you anymore. I don't yeah. believe you. And yeah. and and then you're going to have this this subset that 
it's like, well, I believe, I believe. And like, why don't you believe? <laughs> and, 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 the, and like, that is, yeah. like, that is a disaster in the making. And this to me is something we've been experiencing. So we're seeing- The fact that no one knows if they're supposed to wear masks or not. I mean, it's just sort of like, I'll send an article to someone, they'll send another one back that contradicts the very thing that I just sent, and, you know, and, and, you know, there's so much dishonesty when they say like, COVID has gone up 50% in this era. It's like, you're a math person. I'm really not. I just go 50%. That's a huge number. And then it's like, it's gone from one to two cases. And you're like, that's okay. That, <laughs> that definitely uh, blew that out of proportion type thing. So I think everyone is so suspicious, but I think that because, you know, it's no accident that young people, I think it was something like 50% of people, this was a couple years ago, were getting their news from Jon Stewart, you know, because it's like, at least I can trust this person, you know? Yes. Back to storytellers, comedians, uh, and entertainers, um, I think that we have to come together and try and figure out who, how we can restore a sense of trust in each other and the information we're getting. And that's not something, and this is what frustrates the hell out of me. It's like most people who say this, it's like, hey, we need to restore our trust. Well, that's great. I agree. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's like, you know what that's going to require? That's going to require actually investing Billions of dollars yeah. in like, you know, infrastructure, national service programs, yeah. universal basic income, and it, like an information uh, set of incentives that make it so that if I give you an hour long conversation and it was shitty for ratings, <laughs> like I, can <laughs> I can still do that. Because we actually thought you might like get something positive out of it instead of just freaking like, you know, peppering you with the same freaking um uh, you know, high stimulation uh, type of segments. Mm. So, so that the the restoration of trust is like a massive, massive investment. And I'm hopeful that Joe and Kamala end up being people that can help uh, make that case mm -hmm. where we're going to need to invest trillions of dollars in ourselves, in our society. And folks who don't think that's possible, I just always tell them, it's like, look, do you remember voting for the $4 trillion bailout of Wall Street, like mm -hmm. in 08? And then people are like, uh, no, I never voted for that. It's like, yeah. So, you know, who would you rather? Like, and I got to say, I think a big, this time? as I'm talking to you and as I'm thinking through this as someone who's not a media strategist, is it just a comedian who makes observations, you know, like I think a big part of restoring people say, how can you restore trust in politicians? I think it's like this. I think it's comedian having podcasts and having politicians or people like yourself come on and have thorough conversations, in-depth conversations. I know I have to let you go soon, but not just these five minute bites here or there, you know, it's like you going on Rogan. That's how I'm going to build trust in you. That's how I'm going to really understand how you think. And so I think that people like you coming on podcasts is part of how this changes. Wow. I should go on podcasts more often. I'm just saying I, I will, people come here because they don't trust CNN. They don't trust MSNBC. They want to just hear a human being talk and they don't want to be pandered to. They don't want to be manipulated or beguiled or, you know, they don't want to hear like a bunch of jargon they don't understand and see someone in a super expensive suit they can't afford. They want to see a guy in his basement, in his T-shirt with his. How did you know? It's <laughs> like this is like, I trust this guy, you know, and this is a human being. I want to elect human beings. I don't want to, you know, elect some sort of narcissist with wearing a suit that I could never afford. You know, I think people just want this sort of feels like the new town hall. You know, you're going to be in, you know, talking to me in someone's car or a trucker or a mom driving her kid to school or whatever and gets to, you know, hear you answer questions. Honestly, I don't think there are nine publicists behind the camera you're looking at holding up signs no. telling you what to say. You're just can't say there are. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, well, Whitney, I um, I'd love to do this again because I, I feel like uh, you know, like uh, I did a lot of talking this time, and I uh, appreciate it. But you know, I I'm thrilled to be in touch, and if you think this stuff's good for the country, like sign me up uh, because I I'd love talking to folks like you. You're a real voice of reason and clarity. <laughs> and, and like it, it makes me glad that we're connected now, even though it, it, it's been, you know, half the time I hear good. moderators ask questions. I'm like, I, no one's speaking for just kind of the ev- I don't like to say, you know, average people. I, you know, I like that in your uh, your book was the war on normal people. I hate when people say average, you know, it seems so pejorative. But yeah, I just like normal people's everyday question of like, you know, where are my Google searches going? Are they selling my data to insurance companies? You know, um, you know, so to be able to have those conversations and. And, you know, it seems like millionaires ask millionaires questions. That's kind of what, <laughs> you know, the news does. Yeah. And, you know, I think on this show, I really, you know. And, and normal people are looking up being like, none of this means anything to me nothing. anymore. And you're like, yeah, you're right. It, it doesn't because our system now only cares about the almighty dollar. And uh, if you don't have... Uh, enough of those and we don't care about you yeah and that, like, and that, that that's the way and our, we know now we know that that's current. a pre-approved news anchor whose tweets were vetted with pre-approved questions with pre-approved answers everything feels so scripted and you know i think podcasts are changing the way you know we gather our information and and connect to people and um you know so what an honor thank you for doing it i hope you do it more i think that this exact thing is what's going to restore trust in politicians and raise awareness about the things that actually matter because these are complicated yeah. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Whitney. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to hang out in person after uh, all of this stuff passes. But if not, if we're in this mess for a long time longer, we'll do another virtual conversation. Yes, I have a billion more questions for you. I know everyone's going to have a billion more questions for you, but thank you for letting me... of course. Take up a little extra of your time. We got 12 minutes more than we should have, guys. My podcast is usually like four hours, so this is going to be like, you know. Well, that's one reason why I felt actually like self-conscious, that I feel like I'm abbreviating a little bit, because you're the kind of person I could talk to for four hours. Uh, but if anyone wants to uh, see what I'm up to, uh, my organization is called Humanity Forward. It's called MoveHumanityForward.com. Uh, we've given out $8 million in economic relief Amazing. because Andrew Yang's all about getting money to the people. Love it. Uh, we have this data dividend project that Winnie described. Uh, have our own podcast, which is not as funny as Whitney's. Um. <laughs> Data dividend. It is so, it, and you are so great at naming things as well. Um, I'm into obvious names. Yeah. That, but that, 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 that's my gift. You don't overthink it. Make it super clear. Andrew Yang on his Instagram. It's, it's you know, everyone has their own channel now, which is the great thing about social media. I know there's a lot of downsides about it, but the upside is, you know, he's doing these incredible interviews on his social media. Almost every day you've got a new live or um, a video from your podcast. Your Twitter is incredible. I must say your Twitter is a breath of fresh air. It's always so positive. It's so clear. Um, it's a, a nice break in the... <laughs> toxic mess that is Twitter. Um, follow him on Twitter, follow him on Instagram and, um, you know, buy the books, which we're going to you know talk about more in the intro and please run for president again. Thank you, Whitney. If I do, we're going to have a party in the White House. <laughs> your wife has probably had it. And I also, may I please say with the last, last thing, um, your wife, Evelyn, is unbelievable. Um, as someone that is uh, a survivor, I followed her journey very closely, and she is absolutely incredible. Um, everyone look up Evelyn Yang and her journey and her bravery and her courage. Um, I would love to have her on the podcast at some point as well soon. I feel like I'm already, oh push- I feel like I'm already I will, pushing it. No, I will, I will ask her because she's a huge fan of yours. Um, and yeah, like I was so proud of her and it was, I mean, it was something that I, I'd obviously 
shared with her, like, you know, as uh, her husband mm -hmm. beforehand. And then I, and I was like, look, if you, obviously it's like whatever you want to yeah. do, like I am a hundred percent behind you, but I was so proud of her and uh, so angry at uh, the doctor and the folks that made it possible. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that there was so much of me that was uh, like, I, I frankly, I didn't want to be like, Baby, I want you to fucking rain hellfire. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, I really don't, but because you don't, you don't want to be like you know. So I was just like mm -hmm. always like, like uh, you know, yeah, one hundred percent supportive. But I was so proud of her and and like, sharing a story about um, you know an assault that you experienced. You know, there's so much embarrassment and shame and fear, and you know, I can only imagine the amount of anger and rage you know that you felt. But the way that you supported her through that and the way that she walked through that with such grace was incredibly inspiring to me. And I know changed a lot of people's lives. Thank you. Thank yeah. I'll, I'll thank her for you, Whitney. It was, I mean, it, it was it was wild because like I felt so much sadness before mm -hmm. and then like you kind of relived it because you know then it was mm -hmm. something that everyone knew about mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah i'm just very appreciative uh of evelyn i'm very very lucky to be married to her you i agree I agree. She's unbelievably so strong, so resilient, um, you know, as someone that, you know, constantly struggles with how to speak about things like that, um, watching her interviews and watching the grace that she navigated it with um, and the elegance and the bravery um, and the courage made me think, oh, you know, we we can do this. We can speak out without um, making a mess of ourselves or embarrassing ourselves or seeming like a squeaky wheel. You know, it felt like just the way that she navigated that uh, made me less scared about, you know, talking about my experiences. And I know that it, um, I'm, I'm so glad. And when she was on the trail too, she got that, uh, from women everywhere we went. Uh, and it was beautiful. Uh, she wasn't someone who was frankly seeking the public eye at all. Uh, I think people understood that. Um, and it's one reason why people appreciated her coming forward is that it, it, it seemed um, just uh, like she wanted to help. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was really touching because everywhere we went, there was just so much appreciation for her. And it started a lot of conversations with, you know, a lot of my girlfriends, a lot of my family members going, oh, I never thought about that. But now that I heard her talk about, you know, so I think she really um, is a very powerful healer in the things that she did. I'm sure there are some days it th seems thankless and some days that, you know, it seems exhausting, but um, she really has healed so many people, you know, just in my immediate proximity. So um, wow. I'm, I hope that one day I'll get to have her on. I'll, too. I'll, yeah, no, I'll <laughs> ask her. I'll ask her later. Today. Yes. Yes. And if she says no, then you'll never I love know. her anyway. Yeah, I love her anyway. <laughs> and hopefully I'll just get to meet her and give her a big hug when this whole nightmare uh, is over. I love you. I am such a big fan. I am going to harass you and force you to do this again. Um, I love you so much. Thank you. I've already taken up too much of your time. Um, Thank you, Whitney. You're the best. You're the best. I'll see you soon. Yeah. Love you too. Love you. Andrew Yang. <laughs>